This podcast is brought to you by Smilex, Gotham's leading beauty product. For that luscious tan, those ruby lips, that hair color so natural, only your undertaker knows for sure. Love that joker. Smilex, put on a happy face. the story. The son of a wealthy, high-society family watches as his parents are murdered in cold blood right in front of his very eyes one night in a dark, dingy, rain-soaked back alley. Haunted into adulthood by the events of that night, the legacy of his family name and the injustice he sees around him, our hero shapes his trauma into something more. A way to fight back for those who cannot fight for themselves. A message to criminals that crime will not go unpunished. A vigilante. An icon. A legend. As I said, we all know the story, but in 1989 this was the first time audiences saw The Dark Knight on the big screen and it left a lasting impression. Helmed by visionary director Tim Burton, this was a superhero movie of a different calibre. Gone were the bright colours and comic book antics of Superman and Flash Gordon before it. This was a superhero movie that was dark, brooding and violent, even scary. It wrestled with complex themes such as grief, split personality and post-traumatic stress all set against a backdrop of imposing gothic industrialism. This was definitely not a film for kids. Featuring a mysteriously brooding against type star turn from Michael Keaton and an absolute treat of a performance from Jack Nicholson that's equal parts clown comedy and dangerously psychotic, we are the last action heroes and this is Batman. 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 <laughs> I just had to get that out of my system. <laughs> exactly. Very nice. Well, consider I also uh, nearly um, confused last week's film with Purple Rain. I thought I'd just stick to the Prince theme this week and go Batman instead. <laughs> so, hello and welcome to the podcast. We are The Last Action Heroes, a hard-hitting, cape-wearing, leather-clad kick to the groin of the very best and worst of retro action That's... hero cinema. Uh, as the amazing high production value in, uh, intro just said, we are today discussing Tim Burton's blockbuster-defining franchise, Batman. So just before we get into the movie, uh, you know, if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to drop us your thoughts, uh, you can find us on Twitter at TL underscore Action Heroes or on Instagram page at The Last Action Heroes Podcast. Uh, with every five-star review, we're also throwing in a free back rub and dinner date with our silky voice co-host Jesper, so please head on over and leave us <laughs> one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fixed. Really I'm leaving a review now. Roll the show, so <laughs> I'm going to write on a review now. <laughs> yeah, bring out those five stars. <laughs> 
So as is the trend uh, at Last Action Hero Towers, you know, we like to kind of have a bit of fun and do some theme nicknames before we go into each of our episodes. So uh, joining me in the Batcave today, we have Bjorn Man. Bjorn Man. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Bjorn Man. <laughs> and uh, his trusty friend, Alion Frid. <laughs> oh, come off the head. We've got myself, Harvey Dant. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lovely. And we've also got Jesper. Hi. <laughs> Bob the Goon. Just Jesper. <laughs> I really um, thought, you know, we could have gone with the Yanoka, you know, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we didn't, clearly. <laughs> uh, just also a shout out to Henrik, our silent fifth hero, who makes us all sound great, uh, and even manages to make my Porridge West Country accent uh, listenable, which is nice. <laughs> so just before we get into the film, um, I also wanted to set like a little rule today as well, that we're talking exclusively Batman 1989 on its own merits. What? So I want to avoid yeah. any obvious comparisons to future movie iterations where possible, or else, you know, we'll be here all fucking day. Or basically. else what? <laughs> <laughs> you kick me off the fucking podcast this is a bullshit rule i was all set about talking about the 1950s batman <laughs> uh, i said future iterations uh, that's uh, all right a uh, loophole uh-huh. but i am gonna in fact keep a tally today so you know whoever mentions other iterations well future iterations um the most will be crowned chump of the episode so <laughs> you are oh. guys there's a fucking wasp trying to land on my face <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if it was a bat, that would, that would be pretty Yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's gone. I'm safe. What's the man? Uh, just quickly, as well, by coincidence, it also happens to be Batman Day today, which I didn't realise. So uh, that's a fun little coincidence. Uh, that is actually true. We're not just making this up. Like, as of, <laughs> look, as of recording, today is International Batman Day, which I, I had, never even knew existed. Yeah, so I had no go. idea it was a thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, um, you know, Batman 1989, that's uh, brought on our minds. What do you guys think? <laughs> can, I, can I get something off my chest straight away? Go for I've it. I've really got to get this. Get, get this away from me. So Prince the wasp. The wasp, yeah. intro- introduces the Joker and he sings black or white, red or green, the funkiest man you've ever seen. Joker is fucking pink <laughs> and it drives me nuts every time I hear that fucking lyric it is not acceptable I actually think Prince didn't watch the film when he made the soundtrack no. this. Like, none of it fits red and film. green <laughs> like, when's he ever been fucking red and green well his face is red and green yeah, no, yeah. Well, hair, hair is lips but everyone red. knows Joker is pink and green right mm. fuck Prince <laughs> that's what I'm saying <laughs> So yeah, I wanted to pick this film today because, you know, um, we are the last action heroes, you know, we look at uh, action hero cinema, but also um, on a kind of more personal note, um, Tim Burton's actually one of my favourite directors. Uh, Even modern Tim Burton? Sorry? Even modern Tim Burton? I was just going to say, no, his earlier stuff, yeah, (laughs) not his new stuff, he's definitely resting on his laurels lately, but you know. As, in terms of visionary directors, you know, this is as good as it comes, this guy, you know, he's, he's got a really fucking good eye. And I just love that he picks films that are kind of all about, you know, sort of the oddball kind of outsider characters. And I think with this film, he was you really You mean Johnny to, Depp? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny Depp, basically. And, and Helena, Helena Bonham Carter. Carter yeah. She's his wife, though. She has to be in his films now. It's like in the contract or something, isn't it? Is she yeah. still? I don't <laughs> exactly. know if she is. don't know. Yeah, they're married, I think. Though they live separately, apparently. So, oh, that kind of marriage. Relationship. Yeah. Very, very modern. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I wanted to pick this film. I mean, on a personal note, I actually prefer the second film over this one. Um, but seeing as we kind of have a more of a, an 80s kind of edge to our work, uh, and seeing as it's kind of more of the intro to the Batman mythos, you know, this was the one that built the franchise. I thought this was going to be a good place to start, really. 
So yeah, uh, let's we just jump straight into it. Anyone all good? Let's, any let's do it, man. Yeah, let's, let's go, go for it. it. Nice. Any final oh. thoughts? We're wrapping it up. Right. Yeah. Any <laughs> <final> <laughs> <thing>? <laughs> right. That was good. Badman, awesome movie. All right. See you next time. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the adventure begins. You know, it opens up with a dark, kind of brooding uh, credit sequence. It's got this camera kind of panning around this really scary, exciting-looking environment. You know, it could be the Batcave, could be Gotham seen from above. It actually just turns out to be a two-and-a-half-minute whiz around the Bat symbol, which is a bit of an anti-climax, but, you know, we do get Danny Elfman's uh, really I actually score. think this is one of those key moments in, dare I say, cinema history where you really mess with audiences' expectations, really shake them up and go, whatever your preconception of this hero, this character, this franchise is, Forget about it. We yeah. are completely resetting the whole thing and you're in for an absolute thrill ride because I think it's such a brilliant way to start the movie. Uh, it's, you know, that brooding soundtrack that just keeps on building and building and you're not really sure what it is you're actually seeing. And then, the you know, you see it's the logo, it flips around and then you're into Gotham. And I just think that's such a great way of going. Whatever you thought you knew about Batman forget about it. The rules have completely changed and you're in for an absolute thrill ride here. So I think this is an absolute fantastic way to start a new movie. There you Absolutely. Go. <laughs> yeah. So just Ooh. on that, I mean, you know, going into Gotham, like you say, you know, so we're, we're going to go straight into the film and it's, it's going to set up the mythos. And the first thing you see is Gotham and building on exactly what you just said, the way it's represented here is unlike anything anyone has ever seen at that time. You know, it, the, the model work, the aesthetic of it is just absolutely fucking incredible it feels suffocating it's yeah, dense absolutely. and gothic and like like that that first shot of the the streets not only is there like the hustle and bustle of the street and you can tell immediately that it's full of like scumbags mm. but the way the architecture is drawn it's it's got this huge verticality but it's not like not like clean and towering it's almost like falling in yeah. on itself you can't see the so, sky yes like, it's, it feels like this place yeah, suffocating it just yeah, feels absolutely. suffocating. So the um, production designer, uh, Anton Furst, um, he actually designed and reversed uh, the zoning. So in, in cities, when you design a, a when you design a city, you use zoning. So you have kind of smaller buildings at the front on main roads, giving way to larger buildings. But he reversed it to create bigger buildings on the side of the road, just to create these oppressive mm. canyons. Nice. Like, and it's just, it works so fucking well. Mm. It's so oppressive and yeah. dirty. I think you mentioned it in the intro that this is sort of gothic industrialism. And I think that's such a spot on description of how this version of Gotham is, uh, because you're right, you know, it feels oppressive. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of stuck somewhere between reality and fantasy. And there's, mm. you know, when you think about it, there's no real, it's, it's not a surprise that this city creates such extreme characters like Batman and soon to be For Joker sure, um, mm. as well, right? You, you also said it's stuck between, I think you said reality and fantasy. Something that I thought was interesting with this film, and I do want to touch on it later in a particular scene, but it's really hard to pinpoint an era. Yes, it, it exactly. It almost is yeah. created, even though it looks old fashioned, then it will look really modern and new. Yeah. And it's like gothic, but it, I don't know. It just It's really timeless. You cannot well, tell right? when it is. Yeah, yeah. It is exactly timeless. It's, like it's this fusion it's of 40s gangsters and then 80s like fashion and chic. And yeah, yeah. I think if they'd chosen either of those two timelines, it definitely would have been of a time. Like, mm. But because yeah. they fuse that and they do it quite well, the film is timeless. You can It just becomes its own thing. It seems like a silly thing to say, but they've created Gotham City. Yep. Like it's it's not New York City, it's Gotham City, and mm. the Gotham City almost has its own set of rules. And yeah, I don't know. It's, well, it's I good. love that. It just looks like it, you know, it, at one time would have been this beautiful city, but it's just 
decayed and collapsed mm. and been ruined by capitalism and corruption. And it just feels like it's reaching the end of its natural life cycle. Almost, you know, it's just there's not much left to save for this city. It's just. Had fun. you written that that down, or did you freestyle that? Because that's poetic, man. I freestyled that. <laughs> nice, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're good on this podcast. <laughs> Not at the intros. <laughs> but yeah, like you're saying, Leon, like, you know, you've, you've got this, you've got all these different kind of um, people, you know, you've got 40s gangsters and 80s kind of chic and stuff, but there's also this massive social divide that you can see straight away as well. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got punks, you've got jocks, you've got businessmen, you've got prostitutes, like everyone is just kind of mixing during the day. And I, it's... I love that the prostitute tries it on with like the eight-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. oh. Gotham is that kind of place. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, hey there, that cutie. much of a degenerative cesspool. <laughs> yeah. Accessible, it really is. Yeah, yeah you, you, you you do get a feeling that this is like a degenerate city. You know, like people are. This is like greed and like money and like you know, get the yeah. quick buck. You know, that yeah. Kind it's of sort of like it's not even hiding. It's uh, it's sort of it's unfortunate people who just can't mm. find their way in uh, into the system or or have been abandoned by. Like they're everywhere. Um, you know, they're not hiding in alleyways. You know, they're right there in the city square, um, mm. you know, with all their little belongings. And uh, yeah, it's just oppressive. Really. Yeah, I think Dan teased at this a minute ago as well. But what what's nice about this world they've created and how dirty it is and like how corrupt and, you know, all the scumbags is that it doesn't feel unrealistic to have these kind of big personalities. Like, you know, they're not necessarily in this film, but like a Two-Face or a Penguin or a Joker or because you could see that this kind of society is going to mm. cultivate that kind of, you know, corrupt lunatic or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just back on that family as well. So I kind of like how the film almost starts off with almost like a little mini fake out. You know, the moment you see mm. that family, you instantly think this is going to be the Waynes. And then the dad's like just kind of quite neurotic and stressed and worried. And the kid's a complete nerd. Like, we're going the wrong way. Yeah. Like, but that's not Bruce Wayne. Like, <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, and obviously then they just disappear in the back ending and get mugged, which Batman watches. Like, he doesn't stop the crime. He just lets them get mugged and then decides to beat some people up. <laughs> well, there hadn't been a crime until then. Good point. <laughs> there is a few kind of moments like that of, I mean, and there is a specific scene sort of late, so later on that I want to get into um, as well. But there are these weird moments. It's like, where is he actually? Like, you know, what is he actually doing? But I felt we'll, like that with the police we'll as well. Mm. Yeah, they're never around. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> this family get mugged, and um, the the thieves kind of disappear to the rooftop, and they start kind of doling out the loot. And I kind of like how they start to set up sort of the legend of the bat at this point. Mm. You know, like the guys are kind of talking and. and they're like, you know, oh, you know, I hear, you know, the last guy who did this job, you know, the bat got him, you know, and they say he drinks blood and they found his body with no blood in it. Um, so I kind of thought that was quite nice. And we'll set him like he's a legend or like a myth. And it kind of gives you the impression as well, possibly that he's not been doing this for that long. Maybe if he's yeah. kind of a, a myth, like maybe a year tops. I also, I also like that um, it feels like, I know we haven't mentioned him arriving yet. We can in just a second, but it feels like that Batman's almost intentionally creating that myth himself Yeah, yeah. by, you know, trying to be this visual threat you know the bat in the night and i, I kind of get a feeling that he knows as one person he can't solve gotham's problems but mm -hmm. if he can create a scary enough myth he may be able to stop things without actually having to be there and it's, yeah. I, it's you know it's kind of like like we spoke about how uh, the city of gotham uh, is no surprise that it breeds these you know these extreme characters and i think um, Bruce Wayne is very much aware that a city like Gotham will have will breed these urban legends and rumors and 
and hearsay and just the nature of the city will amplify these. And it's kind of like he is using that to his advantage to, to kind of help build his own legend, um, I think, yeah. by not being fully out there and sort of completely announcing himself but sort of lurking like in the shadows and striking and then sort of dis sort of disappearing to sort of create yeah. that sense of fear yeah. and uh, yeah. or, or leaving somebody alive and demanding or you know threatening them to make sure they tell their friends who yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly as someone who doesn't really know the Bat batman mythos like is there a reason so he's why he's a guy <laughs> like a bat. Yeah, yeah but is there a reason why he cho chooses to be a bat you know as a spider man he gets bitten by a spider and yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be that it's something that he's afraid of, and he wants to project that fear on. Ah, so he's doing the people. thing where you uh, you do the thing you're afraid of, and you the get switcheroo. Used to it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. and it's supposed to be symbolic <laughs> as well, I believe. Yeah, um, I th I think some of the sort of the later incarnations of Batman, especially the comics, they were be sort careful, of. Careful, Jesper. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but they're sort of, uh, you know, they're dwelling a lot more on how he is trying to find a, a symbol or something that will strike fear because he knows that mm. fear is something that can work for him. And um, um, uh, th in various incarnations, you know, he starts out with just sort of like this hooded character doesn't really have a personality. And then he comes across this, uh, you know, the bats and the bats in general. And um, he sort of knows that this is fear and this is sort of personified by this one creature. And I can start to I can start to actually use that. So, um, so mm. no, he's not bitten by a radioactive bat or anything like that. Um, See, if, or... if I wanted to project that kind of fear, I would dress up like that dude that turns up to threaten you when you haven't paid your BBC TV license. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know the guy. All you'd hear is the knock on the door and people would be like, fuck, it's him. <laughs> I'm exactly. TV license man. It's the TV license guy. Or a wasp as well, right? Or a yeah, wasp. Or a wasp. <laughs> <laughs> But I really like this this reveal of Batman. So you got these muggers; they're kind of you know talking about the mythos of Batman, and then you have that kind of wide shot of them sat down. The whole thing's on like this Dutch angle, and you really get mm. this feel for you know Tim Burton's kind of cinematic style. And he knows how to kind of frame this shot and create this myth. And you just see Batman kind of drop down in the background, and it almost makes him kind of like like a ghoul or a like a vampire, I guess. You know when they're talking about like a bat in the night, like a yeah. bat in the night. Um, yeah. But the whole thing looks like it could be completely at home in like a horror movie. It looks like a Hammer horror movie, yeah, you know, yeah. or something. It's it's. And straight away, and the lighting and the music and all that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to break away. your rules straight away. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I heard the other day that the new Batman film they're making is actually a horror film, not an action film. And I'll leave it. Huh. There. <laughs> Should I mark you for that? Yeah, you can mark me for that. I, I had to let that out when you said it. Um, so when Batman arrives, this actually, um, I know that Tim Burton here. Well, I, I assume that Tim Burton here is trying to establish that you know Batman is a comic book hero and his film is this sort of link between the comic world and the the cinematic world but i feel that in this intro batman's a little bit cartoony and he's always flapping his wings around and i <laughs> and i know they're trying to create the silhouette you know they're trying to make him this iconic thing but mm. in this particular scene he's a bit flappy and cartoony <laughs> yeah i kind of get the feeling like he's maybe trying to use it as some sort of intimidation method you know like in in, in nature you know if, if you would always try and make yourself look bigger than you are to kind Actually, of intimidate yeah, yeah. your prey it's like a predation method but it does come across as a little bit kind of cheesy like it's a bit weird well, uh, mm. i i still found it very effective um and um yeah um but i could sort of see why it would look i mean it's like at the end of the day, it's still a guy in a rubber suit, right? You know, which is it is, but it's a guy who's about to come and deck two muggers. Yeah, and instead he's like, "Look at my wings!" Yeah, <laughs> look at the wings. <laughs> so anyway, yes, we see Batman kind of you know use that intimidation method and he goes straight in and just kicks that door, that guy straight through the fucking door, <laughs> which is great fun. Um, and then 
uses uh, his gadgets to kind of subdue the other guy um, and holds him over a, a, the edge of a building uh, and then utters that immortal line, I'm Batman. Who are you? <laughs> what are you, man? Don't kill me, man! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Nice. Well, with the film today, I tried to pick you know a bunch of topics that kind of you know keep the action flowing. But um, between this topic and, and the next topic I've chosen, there's quite a few kind of bits of exposition that um, we kind of need to fill in a bit. So I'll just kind of summarise this as much as I can. Um, so Batman's um, taking down the goons. Uh, we see kind of chasing up, reporting that we meet um, Alexander Knox, her, who is then later joined by photographer uh, Vicky Vale, um, who is kind of, they're trying to get under the myth of the Batman, does he exist? Um, these two kind of serve as, I guess, the audience entry point into the film. They're the most normal people in the whole film, really. <laughs> um, you kind of relate to them in that sense. Um, we also meet Harvey Dent, who's not really got that big a role um, in this film, but uh, we see that he's basically struggling to control the crime rate in the city. Uh, and then through that, we also learn that uh, Gotham is actually being controlled by a, a big mob boss called uh, Carl Grissom, played by Jack Palance. Mm. Uh, he's got the police paid up in his pocket, completely untouchable. Um, but we also meet Jack Napier, who's his kind of number Ooh. one guy, referred to as an <laughs> A1 nut boy. Uh, he's a psychotic gangster uh, who does the dirty work Na- for Grissom. Napier is a horrible little shit as well. He's a motherfucker. Just put that yeah. Yeah. He's a horrible yeah. little bastard. He's horrid. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I like that you can kind of see flashings of his stylings, like he's still wearing a purple suit. Yeah, and mm. it's kind yeah. Of quite nice. playing around with this deck of cards. Um, yeah, well. so see the motif and his disrespect, like for women, he's just yeah. doesn't give a shit. Yeah. he's horrible. <laughs> yeah, we also learn that he's balking uh, his boss's girlfriend, so that's not a. He, really he's what? Good what? <laughs> he's having an affair with his <laughs> boss's girlfriend. Yeah, that's not what you said. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you said. <laughs> no, <laughs> what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, after being tipped off by uh, policeman Eckhart, one of the corrupt coppers in Gotham. Um, who's got uh, that Jack is, you know, kind of having an affair with his missus. Uh, and also being frustrated by the fact that Harvey Dent is sniffing around his front businesses, Grissom decides he's going to send Jack on an, an industrial espionage mission to eliminate traces back to the syndicate at Axis Chemicals. Uh, just before we jump into that, though, we uh, we are treated to a bit of a party scene, um, just where they're kind of doing a fundraiser to raise some money for a, a parade uh, at Gotham back at Wayne Manor. So we get our first introduction to Bruce Wayne here. Um, don't kind of really want to kind of look at that too much, really. We don't get that much of a insight into him just yet. Um, but we do find that at the party, um, he has to make an unexpected exit uh, as uh, word has reached that Axis Chemicals is being attacked. So we jump back over to Axis Chemicals where Jack and his gang uh, are doing over the, the office uh, and they discover that they've actually been ratted out by Grissom uh, and the police arrive to take him down. Mm. So we go into... Nice. Another 80s factory environment. Pipes, <laughs> steam, chemicals. But before Acid. we go into it, the outside of this building is really, really cool. The Axis Chemical Plant. It's just, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it looks like something. It, I don't yes. know what, it's just got this shape. Like, it looks like a 40s like sci-fi laboratory. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. does. Like, it would be yeah. kind of gets the sense really that cool, horrible man. things is happening in there, right? Horrible yeah. things is happening in here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be in here. Oh, you don't want to go in here. 
again, like it's, I guess it's Burton using his horror stylings, but it looks like it would be at home in Frankenstein, you know, and then mm. it's, it's kind of fun that we get yet again, this factory environment, but it's got that little kind of visual twist to it, which is fun. Um, it was actually shot in Acton Lane Power Station, so it was not far from our uh, old haunts in London, which is quite mm-hmm. fun. So, and, uh, literally not far from where I was living just two yeah. podcasts ago. Uh, just for a little extra reference, uh, Aliens was also shot there. So. <laughs> alien oh God, reference. There's our Aliens reference. Alien reference. We haven't had one of those for a very long time. Nice I, can, one. I can mark that one off my uh, list. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoyed this scene. In the plant. I, something that I think is fun about this, and there's a, a, an observation I want to make at some point, and maybe now's not quite the time, so I'll leave it. But what I did like now that will lead into it later, so pay attention to my words because they will follow into something later. <laughs> um, I liked that everyone, this is very, very 1930s, mm. and all the all of Napier's mob have got like uh, pinstripe suits and hats and almost like they yeah. should be carrying Tommy guns. Yeah. And I think everyone, they are actually carrying Tommy guns. Oh, they carry Tommy guns. It's <laughs> amazing. And even when the police arrive, um, the way everything is framed is like comic book pages. Yeah. Like all the mobsters lean out from windows and all the police stand perfectly still as if it's framed like a comic book frame. There's just, there's a really nice 1930s aesthetic here that it just feels old fashioned, like cops yeah. and mobsters. I made a note here that, um, that yeah, uh, like you say, it very much reminds of the action in all 30s and 40s movies where there's a shootout, but it doesn't really seem like, you know, no one knows what they're doing in the shootout. They're basically just shooting. There's no tactic. There's no technique. There's no aiming or anything like that. It's, it's just spray a lot of bullet as fast as you can. Batman's yeah. actually the only one that seems to know what he's doing. Like, you know, he's going into <laughs> battle with actually a bit of a, you know, tactic. Um, but yeah, that they're right. all just firing in a factory where there's fucking <laughs> chemical steam and bullets <laughs> bouncing. <laughs> Shit, like. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't give a shit <laughs> one of the things I really uh, that I noticed that I really liked about this scene actually is that the entire sequence is almost monochrome apart from the only colours being red and green so mm. the Joker mm. and then yellow railings and black shadows which would be Batman and it almost foreshadows that whole thing which was really kind of quite a nice little touch I thought uh, yeah that's uh, a pink yeah, and I green I notice that yeah. that's <laughs> a, <laughs> it's, like, nice. it's pink god damn it <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could just adjust the colour on your TV <laughs> maybe that's what was wrong maybe he's always been red and green <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're colourblind <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> what, what a way to find out he yeah. is pink and green right <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me that is Joker's theme right yes yes Leon he is Great. Let's do a fucking Twitter poll. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I really kind of quite enjoyed about this scene as well, actually, is how light it is. It's the second time we see Batman and he's a completely lit environment. Like, yeah. you're almost seeing him in full, full view. Yet he still uses the environment to his advantage. He's still able to hide sort of in the mm. shadows and then in the steam. And I thought it was really cool. Interesting you should mention mm. that. That leads me nicely on to my next point. <laughs> So take it away. <laughs> um, something I did notice here, and it, this is a theme that builds throughout the film, is I noticed that um, in this scene, Batman doesn't follow the same rules of the world as everybody else has to. So um, Tim Burton has created this very sort of vertical Gotham. Everywhere there's always height. People are either below something or above something. There's always a verticality. And while all the mobsters have to scramble around and run up and down stairs and sort of face these the, the challenges of the world batman is able to just glide through it he he defies all the laws and logics of this world um while they puff and pant as they go up and down he just <laughs> appears from the top or appears from the bottom or glides into scenes <laughs> and even when they all fight 
everyone has got an energy and Batman never has an energy. He doesn't breathe. He doesn't run out of breath. He doesn't puff and pant. He just does his moves. And I feel like he's framed like the superhero as a different entity to a human. He, mm, yeah. he doesn't follow human rules. And I thought he's that like was a, a really cool force. thing. Yeah, he is a force. Yeah. Mm. And then um, maybe I'm jumping on a bit and we can rewind if you want. But um, Napier will very soon become the Joker. And I noticed once he becomes Joker, he also no longer has to follow the rules of Gotham. Mm-hmm. He can then exist as this force as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really noticeable in this. If you watch it again, like, yeah, Batman mm. just doesn't seem to, in any shot, he doesn't have to behave like anyone else in the film. It's, it's interesting. That is cool. Um, jumping all the way down to the end, like I, I think that rule <laughs> that you just sort of established like, kind of works all the way until the, the possible end where they are all running upstairs. Um, but yeah, completely. Like Throughout the film, he maintains this very kind of constant direction. Yeah. Mm. Well, look, when, when Napier becomes Joker now, um, he's very human. Apart from as soon as you think he's about to become the Joker and the hand comes out of the water, he's been underwater for fucking ages, which suggests he doesn't have to breathe anymore. He has now also broken the rules of this world. Yeah. Ta-da! Wow. Very nice. Mind blown. (laughs) I have to go watch it again now. (laughs) Let's pause the podcast. Exactly. Be right back. Yeah, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) But Alex, uh, uh, just to roll it back a little bit, um, we do get this confrontation. So so Jack is trying to escape the the factory while his goons are kind of covering his exit. And rather than try to escape, he decides he's going to take the opportunity to kill Commissioner Gordon. He's got him out in the open. Uh, And that's when Batman first kind of meets jack napier and there's a bit of a bit of a face-off yeah um jack fires at batman and the bullet ricochets off his uh wrist guard he's a comparable motherfucker Batguard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Bad guard. laughs> uh and the bullet hits jack in the face uh and then blinded and staggered he kind of falls over the railing and there's this wonderful shot where he's kind of hanging off the railing and just over batman's shoulder you can kind of see what's the ragged kind of bloody mess of his face and then just above his head you've got the green yeah. So it's kind of almost, again, kind of foreshadowing that um, that transformation. And once again, it's all about verticality as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of foreshadowing, there is an interesting little um, tidbit as well. So, uh, so reminding um, a little bit, but when um, Carl Grissom is asking Jack to go and break into Axis uh, Chemicals, the moment so Jack is sort of messing like with his cards, and when Carl Grissom is saying, Jack, I'd like you to handle this personally. Uh, Jack pulls up a card of a Joker, which actually has a hole in it, right where he's going to be hit in the cheek or the mouth or something like that. So a little yeah, bit of, like a bullet nice. hole. Yeah. But it's a cigarette hole, isn't it, in the card, it, I think? I think so, yeah. So so, so, so already there, there's a little bit of, for, um, of foreshadowing, which I didn't really notice until I saw it uh, you, uh, uh, just the other day. It's weird you say that. I, I wasn't going to bother mentioning them on the podcast because there's just so many, but I did actually notice watching it again last night that there are so many little things that will lead into something later. There are so many observations or details that if you pay attention, three or four scenes later, they all tie up, and that, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good example of them. Yeah. I didn't notice that with the, the whole... And actually, think about it. So Grissom calls it his lucky deck. He said, don't forget your lucky deck. It, yeah. it could very well be a, a bullet hole, thinking about it. It could be that that deck saved yeah. his life at some point, and that's why it's yeah. a lucky deck. So Napier's fallen into the chemicals, uh, you know, the police have seen Batman, everyone knows he exists. Uh, one of the things I really thought was quite funny, uh, so Batman decides to make his escape from Axis Chemicals, and uh, you know the police are coming up to surround him, so he drops that smoke pellet. And he has to wait sort of about five minutes to be enveloped by smoke, and even then it doesn't completely envelope him. And you can just see him going up into the air. It's like, what the fuck was the point of the smoke pellet? Everyone, just, just fly up, just go. Like. I, I can tell you why. Because he's hiding the grappling hook. So yeah. the people around him, 
believe the myth that he flew. That, that he flies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Flies. So anyway, following uh, the incident acts of chemicals, we see that Jack survived his uh, acid bath, which uh, Leon's already kind of alluded to, um, you know, you'd expect, otherwise there'd be no movie. Um, following mm. some botched facial reconstruction surgery in a dark basement, uh, um, Napier finally snaps uh, and heads out to seek his revenge on Grissom. Um, but they hold off on that reveal just for a moment. They kind of wait until he goes to get that revenge. So we get the birth of the Joker, essentially. Um, so we're just going to skip ahead a little bit now to the point where he goes to get his revenge on Grissom. This is his big reveal, I guess. So, mm. um, And I love the way this kind of whole thing is framed to begin with. You've got Grissom, you know, settling in for an afternoon drink. He's got slippers and his dressing gown on and he's quite happy with himself. And the elevator pops up behind him and you see Jack framed in the doorway over his shoulder. And mm. he's completely in silhouette. Um, and I just kind of love the way that there's this kind of really tense um, kind of moment between the two. You, um, you know, you've set me up over a woman. Yeah. You know, you're fucking dead, basically. Uh, and I just love the way that, that Jack, or should we say now the Joker, just comes out of the darkness and removes a hat. Says, you know, you can yeah. call me Joker and just yeah. pops him full of lead, man. That reveal is so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a lovely bit of foreshadowing there as well. Um, earlier on, when Napier is with uh, Grissom's wife, mm-hmm. They're having a conversation. She says, oh, you look fine. And he brushes her off. I didn't ask your fucking opinion. Like, he's got no respect for women. (laughs) And when he comes back to this scene, the very first thing he mentions is, you know, you did this over a woman. Like, you you turned on me over a Mm. woman. And it just shows his absolute disrespect for women. The the reason he's so pissed off at Grissom is because this is over a woman. It's not that he, you know, it's not that he tried to kill him. It's that it was just because of that. Yeah. 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 You you realise he's just a horrible bastard. Yeah. Now, with this scene, just something I th- I wanted to mention that, and so um, I don't know if this is a result of us now watching it in HD, but you can actually see sort of mm. the Joker features, you know, the um, you know the smile. The, you, you, the you can actually see that. Yeah, exactly. You can actually see that even in, in the shadow, which to me kind of ruins the surprise a little bit. Like I remember in the yeah. cinema, this was a much stronger effect, which is probably because, you know, the colors were different and you know, uh, I don't know the quality of it. Um, but it's still a really cool scene. And I think it's a quite mm. important one because I, I think this is the actual death of Jack and birth of uh, birth of Joker. Because if you notice, like once he comes out of the elevator, he's in the shadow. There he's still Jack. You know, he talks like mm. him, walks like him. Um, you know, he sort of has his mannerisms, his voice, right up until the point where he takes the hat off and he says, call me Joker and kills Grissom. And thereby, he sort of also is killing off Jack, like finally his old self, because nice. Grissom's gone. Uh, so Jack is no longer needed. You know, there's only the Joker left now. Um, nice. So yeah, quite important scene. Uh, just think. to just to elaborate on on what you're saying about you can kind of slightly see his face. I think when when the film was kind of shot for cinemas, um, it was really dark. So at that mm. point in the cinema, you wouldn't have seen it, and they had to lighten it for home release. Um, um, I don't I don't know what the quality was like mm. there, but I do know that as the film has aged and as they've modernised it for more media, the film's got progressively a bit lighter. So uh, it now okay. kind of breaks that reveal, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Although, bear in mind, we know what Joker looks like, so it does break it. Even if you saw that sort of dark, weird smile, you'd be wondering, like, what the fuck is this yeah. all about? Like, what is uh, yeah. going on? I mean, I guess the marketing hype around the film as well would have also kind of just completely destroyed that reveal, in a way, because you'd have seen his face on everything yeah. going into I mean, the it's, film. I mean, yeah, but it's, I, don't, I, mean, I think when works, you're making the I film, think. you yeah. can't take into account what the marketing team are going to do. Precisely, you'd yeah. like to think they're not going to ruin your film by spoiling <laughs> what the Joker looks like. But I also really liked um, Tim Burton's approach to the Joker, you know, he could have, you know, Jack Nicholson's got a very, you know, uh, character full face, you know, he could have mm. easily just could have done a smile, they could have waxed some makeup on and left it at that, but they decided to go 
really gruesome and just had this horrible like, prosthetic to his face. And it's just, it's weird. Like, it's kind of it really... It is, it's gruesome, yeah. Eerie yeah. and the teeth, gross. The constant, all the teeth and like... Yeah, yeah. exactly. It just looks really odd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we got the Joker and yeah, it's the role Nicholson was born to play, man. I can't imagine anyone else at that time no, no you're right. Like, yeah. you know, he's perfectly cast at it and he's having a lot of fun with it. Like, you know, sort of as soon as he's done playing Jack and he's the Joker, he just seems like, right, this is my game. I'm owning this role. You know, Tim, just sit down, shut up. I, I mean, this, right? Jack Nicholson is really good at playing crazy characters. I mean, yeah, he's just he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really insane. Yeah. yeah, he's also got great like comedy. Chops, yeah, you know, like yeah. he's done a lot of great comedy, so yeah, he's he's got the right blend of crazy yeah. and comedy for this. It's it's great. And just the way he talks and the voice and everything <laughs> like that is like, yeah, he's <laughs> amazing, and that face yeah. in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to play a character like like that unless you're also a little bit crazy yourself. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you kind of make you wonder sort of how much of this is Jack Nicholson, yeah. how much of this is actually the Joker, and sort of where does the line get drawn? <laughs> just out of interest, is his, is it the Joker or just Joker? Because it's the same uh, as Batman or Batman. Like, mm. I guess you both. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule to it. Uh. Um, I mean, he refers to himself like "Call me Joker," so I think it is yeah. just mm. Joker. I think. Mm. But yeah, good shout. Cool. So following on from that uh, gruesome killing and our first reveal. Gruesome um, we killing just, of Grissom. <laughs> yeah, the gruesome, gruesome Grissom's killing. Um, <laughs> we, we see uh, some more scenes of kind of Vicky and Knox, I guess, kind of, you know, investigating the legend of the bat. And Vicky starts to kind of strike up a bit of a relationship with Bruce Wayne. She goes on a date with him and kind of, you know, there's a bit of something going on there. Um, meanwhile, Jack's easing into his new lifestyle as a joker. So he, he, after killing Grissom, he's decided he's going to take over the... the the syndicate i guess so you know he sets about very publicly killing off other heads of the syndicate just to kind of secure his empire really mm. um we also learn that he's taking control of the city by using chem the chemicals that destroyed him uh to poison cosmetics uh, and kill the people of gotham all in the name of art he's decided to become an artist uh, well we we learn at one point that he has um he majored in art and chemistry yeah so yeah, he's using his two educated, his two sort of <laughs> GCSEs, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after one of his uh, one of his killings, um, we've got Bob sort of taking photographs. Uh, so this then leads the Joker to see a photograph of Vicky, um, and he's instantly sort of you know taken by her, um, similar to Bruce Wayne, I guess. Uh, and he learns that she's dating Bruce Wayne. Uh, which was, I found quite interesting actually. No one seems to know who Bruce Wayne is in this yeah, film. Yeah, but she doesn't know who he is. That. Like when she, she earlier when amazing, she's at the manor, yeah. it's yeah. like she's she's talking to him and it's like, yeah. you know. Who, the two journalists don't know the most popular <laughs> yeah. man in Gotham yeah. City. They're right. shit journalists. <laughs> and and the goon's like, yeah. oh, she's dating some guy named Wayne? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because yeah. of Wayne here is sort of, you know, he's very much a recluse, um, I think. Um, mm. And I think... With yeah, but he Vicky. throws a fucking party for the whole city, and, <laughs> and no one knows who he is. Like, and he's yeah. like the richest man in Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, Joker's kind of a bit taken with Vicky, and he decides he's going to set up a, a bit of a date with her uh, at the Flugelheim, Flugelheim Museum uh, under the pretense that she's uh, meeting with Bruce. So we uh, now go to the uh, the museum scene, <laughs> mm. um, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the film uh, it's also the first one we get prince's music um <laughs> black or white pink or green <laughs> <laughs> that one yeah that classic <laughs> and i really love the way they kind of set up this 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 scene so you you got vicky she kind of goes into the museum uh, and she's taken upstairs and it's all kind of 
upper class, like high society and all good taste, like, like prim and proper. And then it just gets completely fucking ruined by like Joker <laughs> and his anti-establishment cronies. Like they poison all of these upper class like socialites and just the shots of them. Like, I don't know if they're dying or being knocked out. I'm assuming they're dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's these great sort of almost kind of dark comedic shots of them just face planting cakes or falling yeah. balconies. <laughs> yeah. and it's just really undignified and it's it's so fucking funny. I love, I love how it happens under the veil of like a purple toxic smoke as well. How it's all very like classy and high society and then the purple smoke comes yeah. in and everyone dies and then Joker just kicks through the door with a, like a boombox yeah boombox Lawrence I love how all these goons have got such ordinary names you've got Bob Lawrence. Yeah, Bob is one of my favourites yeah, in this Bob, whole film Lawrence yeah. I fucking love Bob <laughs> oh, you're Bob. my number one yeah. guy Bob yeah <laughs> <laughs> Also, his goons wardrobe, man. Those leather bomber jackets are fucking. Oh, cool. they were so cool. They were so cool. I think you. So, I think you could actually get them as part of the marketing um, campaign. You know, oh, the I logo was watching on it and I wanted and everything. One. Yeah. yeah, it's really so, cool. Look, earlier on, I said I had something that was a sort of narrative that I wanted to wait till later, and this is this is it. Mm-hmm. So, I noticed a really weird thing on like the second or third watch of this film. When we were back at um, Apex Chemicals, it was a very 1930s film, and everyone mm. was mobsters and in pinstripes. And now we've got to this scene. It's a very sort of 1980s, 1990s mm. film, and it's all bomber jackets and modern cars. Mm. And the tone dramatically shifted, right? We are in a completely different era now. So I did a little research, and I was like, why is this a thing? Why is this happening? And I discovered that the very first Batman reveal in a comic was 1939, Detective Stories, issue number 27. Mm-hmm. And in that, the story's not quite the same, but it's about Batman and Apex Chemicals and him kicking Jack Napier into chemicals to uh, defeat him. And I think Tim Burton, up until the chemical scene, made that 1939 Gotham comic to show that this is Batman. It's the same origin story. Mm. Once Joker has been made, he's like, right, now this is my my modern take on the mm. film. And I do actually think the era changed. I think it was 1930s and pinstripes. And once the Joker was born... Like all the fashion, all the cars, everything has almost changed. And I think he's he's shifted. It's like, right, the origin is over. Here we go into the future of Batman. Batman. Is Jack Nicholson the first the first Joker or? This is the no. first time Batman was well, on first film. film. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, first film. Yeah, uh, but you had Caesar Romero, who was uh, Joker yeah. in the original '60s TV series. Oh, right. Yeah, and I I'm not too hot on that series, but I heard that um, Nicholson's Joker is actually very similar to that guy's Joker. Oh, it is okay. very much um, like like he is basically, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's essentially sort of just repeating uh, what Caesar Romero was doing. I mean, I think the look, if you Google uh, Joker as Caesar. Caesar Romero. Uh, the look is very much the same, um, mm-hmm. right. but again, you know, Nicholson still kind of made it his own and uh, definitely made it uh, iconic uh, mm. as well. So I haven't really spoken too much about Vicky, really. I, I, you know, mm. she's kind of the eyes of the audience, as I've said, but really doesn't have an awful lot to do. Um, she's you kind of get the impression she's kind of snooping around Wayne and she's starting to kind of piece together that, you know, maybe this guy's Batman, which is pretty fucking obvious, really, isn't it? When you consider it, um, but I think at this point. They digress her role. She becomes a damsel in distress for the rest of the film, which is kind of a shame. Um, so, yeah, so the Joker comes in, he, he trashes up the museum. <laughs> Pink paint everywhere. Um, Pink and green. Pink, Pink and, and green. red. Pink and green and red. <laughs> and we got Jack Nicholson, you know, using his full comedy stylings to affect dancing around, uh, smashing everything up. This is great fun. He's got uh, some moves, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Once again, he's... 
Sorry, Sorry go, go ahead. Go, go for it. Well, I was going to say, once again, he's being a little bit of a shit to women. He comes yeah. in and he tells Vicky Vale, look, you will be working for me now. And then he brings in, I can't remember her name, Anastasia, is it, or Alice. something? Um, and he's been Alicia, doing sorry, his Alicia. Alicia, yeah, he's been doing his art on her face, and basically he's like mauled her face with chemicals. Yeah. No, yeah, and again you can see that yeah. he's like, yeah, he's he's just got absolutely zero respect for women oh, at yeah. all. They're objects, even now as Joker, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Ironically, there's only two women in this whole film as well, and she, <laughs> her Alicia is literally just very one-dimensional and cast off quite soon after this scene. So. Just yeah. a one quick note yeah. on that, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, she is played by um, oh shit, I've forgotten her name now. Kim Basinger. No, 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 that. No, uh, the other one. <laughs> yeah, the other one. Uh, Just putting out there. If this is a link to James Bond, I'm going to be yeah. fucking impressed. <laughs> <laughs> this one isn't. Um, okay. There's a James Bond one. link coming yeah. later. Um, but no, she's played by Jerry Hall, who used to be married to Mick Jagger, uh, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Oh. Cool. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Just that was funny. <laughs> okay, another little observation on this scene and Joker. Um, did you pay attention to when he does and doesn't decide to face paint? Because hmm. in this scene, he is not white with the green makeup or, you know, his normal mm-hmm. chemical skin. In this scene, he's painted himself up like a human. Yeah. And I thought it was odd because he says to her, and where's my notes? I can't remember. He basically says to her about how he's, oh, I'm beyond appearance now. I don't care about appearance anymore. <laughs> but actually he's hiding his own appearance behind the mask and he's trying to come across as human still at this stage. He's not yeah. actually embraced Joker. And uh, yeah, I'm not really sure why, but yeah. there is a scene later where he turns up at her apartment where she's pissed him off. <clears throat> yeah. And then he does appear as Joker and it's like he doesn't hide anymore. It's like, right, now I'm a fucking villain. Mm-hmm. But he seems to use that makeup as like, Almost like, you know, when he talks to Gotham via the um, news feeds, he makeups up as well to, to look more human. So he has actually got some kind of complex that he's not entirely comfortable being Joker. Yeah, yeah you're right. And mm. it's a little bit sort of on and off. Sort of like, like there's no kind of pattern to it as such. Like um, when he's talking to, like after he's killed Grissom, he's talking to all the mop bosses and basically saying that I'm in, like, I'm in charge now. He is using it, and that's because he's probably not ready to kind of show off his Joker persona uh, just yet. But after that, um, he... I mean, there's no real reason for him to apply that makeup and sort of appear that human. I think it's when he's trying to behave like humans would in the world. Yeah. He paints his face like a human. He's going to try and play by their rules. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever he's like, fuck it, I'm not going to play by their rules anymore. He just comes out as Joker in Mm -hmm. white face. Yeah, you're right. That's what it seems to be. Yeah. And, and this scene is an example where he's actually trying to sort of flirt with Vicky Vale a bit and get on her side so he comes in as a, like a human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, later when he's going to come and tell her off and give her shit, he just comes as Joker. It's like yeah, I'm not yeah. playing anymore. <laughs> so yeah, so the Joker's uh, he's set up a dinner date with Vicky Vale and he's basically trying to woo her over to... Well, he's clearly attracted to her and would like there to be more. Um, but on the other side of that, he also wants her to photograph his new avant-garde kind of art style um, hmm. <laughs> to which what he calls himself <laughs> the world's what? first homicidal fully functioning homicidal art fully functioning nice. <laughs> he will yeah. make art until someone dies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a misunderstood artist come on you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like Justin was like Hitler <laughs> <laughs> I love what she says what do you want he's like my face on the one dollar bill and she's like yeah. are you joking she says do I look like I'm joking she's like well I mean your name like is the joker so that look as he says it that perfectly serious do I look like I'm joking yeah. <laughs> you're like, exactly. I don't know, you look terrifying <laughs> <laughs> 
So obviously she's decided, you know, she's not not happy with this, and uh, we get on. A big uh, arrival from Batman as he comes mm. smashing in through the skylight to save the day. He's kind of too late to save all those poor people that got gassed, but he's here to save Vicky at least, so that's <laughs> yeah. all good. Um, but again, it's our third big look at, at Batman, and once again, he's in a really brightly lit environment, which is quite interesting. I, um, I also I love that um, Joker has got no fear of him at all. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no fear yeah. of this guy. Where well, does he get these wonderful toys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little gimmick when Batman drops in and he kind of takes Vicky in arm and he holds the thing up in Joker's face and they're like, oh, fuck, like, what is it? Like, is yeah. it a gun? And then it's actually just a grappling hook. Yeah. Like, get him out but Joker head. doesn't flinch. He yeah. just stands there just fascinated. <laughs> yeah. Like, who is this guy? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I also look at that. He's, they're, they're kind of swinging the fuck out of there and no one makes any attempt to stop them. Like <laughs> they're just in awe, like off his toys. It's like, wow, that thing is cool. <laughs> so Batman saves Vicky. They burst out of the Flugelheim Museum, and he says, "Get in the car." And she says, "Which car? <laughs> Which fucking car do you think? Like yeah. the one that looks like a bat? Yeah, <laughs> like a missile. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like a missile with wings. It is so fucking cool. Oh, man, uh, best yeah. Batmobile ever. Yes. Period." Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm going to break your rule again. It is so much better than Nolan's Batmobile. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but it, it's, it is the best Batmobile. It's so cool, man. It's like, so, one of the things I, when I was digging into Batmobile, one of the things that I really loved about this, um, Anton First, when they said about designing, so another artist actually designed Anton First, but the brief Anton First gave this other designer was this thing needs to be designed with intimidation and violence in mind. Mm. Like, just yeah, brutal. I reckon he's like, got it. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And apparently there was a fun little sort of uh-oh moment uh, because they presented the actual model, I think, to Tim Burton. Uh, and Burton was like, yeah, this is cool. Where are the doors? Uh, and then they realized, <laughs> oh, shit, they didn't put any doors in, which is then why in the movie, you know, they have their cockpit roof, whatever you call it, kind of slide off and then they jump in from the top and then slide back in because they forgot to put doors in. (laughs) I believe they actually have two versions of the car as well with different cockpits because one of them, when Batman's got his suit on, the ears don't fit under the cockpit. So they have to make a second cockpit that he can fit with his, his I'd love to see the on. version where he pulls the thing back and his ears just, just back in the it. And he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Be amazing. This car, though, this is the gnarliest oh, car. And yeah. when it gets started, it's got this this sound, like yeah. this whistling turbo sound with like yeah, yeah. an afterburner spitting fire yeah. out of the back. <laughs> it's, so cool. it's from a Viper jet aeroplane, apparently. Yeah, it sounds like so it, man. Cool. It's so cool. fucking awesome. But just a couple like of vital the stats. Length. <laughs> yeah, so length, literally. So a couple of vital stats. It was built over eight weeks. It's 20 feet in length. And it <laughs> is eight so foot cool. wide, which is completely <laughs> fucking impractical. Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> it's, again, though, it, like, I, th- I think it, not only is it a lovely design as a car and a Batmobile, but also it, it, it matches this version of Gotham beautifully. Absolutely. It's also this industrial Gothic, like, it, like a nuclear submarine with a fucking afterburner on the back. Yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also love how Bruce Wayne just decided not to put any indicators on it or anything. Like, just completely not really following the rules of the road at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, something I did notice, though. Um, I noticed that all the cars in Gotham had um, white headlights and mm. the Batmobile had yellow headlights mm. and the Batmobile is black and yellow and Batman's suit is black and yellow. And I think that was probably a nice intentional touch. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Mm. So we get into a bit of a car chase. So we've got... Um, Vicky and Batman trying to escape uh, through Gotham um, and they're being chased by uh, Joker's cronies. Um, one of the things I really like, so the, the Gotham City set, uh, it was big at the time. It built on Palmer Studios, you know, 
well, like a 90 acre set or something but they're only able to build like five blocks so actually when they're doing this chase they're actually just driving around the, the streets and they're like shit we've got to make some different angles to make it look bigger than Amazing. it is yeah, it's yeah. quite funny but if you pay attention to the background you can still see like the Monarch Theatre probably a few times that's yeah. true actually yeah I, I thought a nice touch here as well I mentioned a minute ago how the um the the era how the aesthetic had changed from like this 1930s to this very modern look. Mm-hmm. But did you notice when the goons are in the car chasing, they still behave like 1930s mobs and they're just mm-hmm. firing their guns out the window mm-hmm. into the sky like yeah, you yeah, would yeah. see in an old gangster film. <laughs> and there's those classical nice cliche touch. crashes into like the letter strip. Yeah. The letter <laughs> yeah exactly. It's amazing. Oh, wow. One of the bits That's I haven't so cracked as well is like, He's, he's thundering it down the road Batman's thundering it down the road these guys are chasing him and he decides to take that 90 degree turn so he uses the grappling hook because the car's obviously too fucking heavy so he's got to yeah. swing it and too long it can't steer <laughs> and I just thought what if there was someone walking along with their groceries on the side and just fucking <laughs> them out like, <laughs> I like that it's uh, it, it's self self driving as well it's like you know yeah. suck on yeah. that yeah. Elon Musk you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> and steals as well like it can sort of cover itself in shields uh, which is just really yeah. cool it, you know there's a lot of there are a lot of good cars in cinema we obviously don't have to list them all things like the DeLorean and that but mm-hmm. the bat, this version of the Batmobile has got to be one of cinema's yeah, yeah. greatest cars yeah, yeah, for sure absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. it's iconic <laughs> absolutely iconic fortunately it gets railroaded by a construction lorry parking in front of it so it's prepared for all circumstances <laughs> that classic yeah <laughs> So um, yeah, uh, they get they get stopped and they decide to do the rest of the journey on foot. So him and Vicky hop out and they disappear into a back alley. Instantly, Batman looks up and he kind of sees you know there's these overhead areas and he instantly says, "How much do you weigh?" And then pelvic thrusts and looks like he's about to take his trousers off. Which is <laughs> weird. <laughs> um, but we actually, he's getting his grappling out. <laughs> hey um, she, uh, she tells him she's about is it like one oh eight something and they they kind of just shoot off to the top and then he drops down. Yeah. Uh, and then we're into like kind of a bit of a brawl up. So it's the first time we actually see Batman uses fists properly mm. in a proper brawl. Yeah. Man and the dude's fucking... You look like you were going to say something, man. No, I was going to say that. <laughs> she's so fucking vain so that she gives her like the wrong weight. Like she's actually heavier, heavier than that. Yeah. Go on, Dad. It just, it just cracks me up. So he's obviously at the end of all this scene, he's like, oh, you weigh a bit more than 108. She's like, oh, like, really? It's like, you know, Bruce Wayne is obviously the ladies' man. Batman? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> no, that's not much. <laughs> so before we get into the brawl, I thought there's a really fucking nice touch here as well. And it actually leads into what you were saying earlier, Dan, about the pellets and he was going up in the smoke and how does mm-hmm. no one see this? We get to see that scene from two different angles. We get to see it from the Batman angle and we see that he fires a grappling hook into the sky and then he goes flying up. But then we switch views and we're inside the gangster's car and through the windscreen, we Mm. don't see the grappling hook. All we see is a bat flying out of smoke. And I thought it was nice how we're now in on the, you know, we're in on the vigilante technique. We know how he does it. But the goons, as far as they're concerned, it's like this guy just flew. Mm. He just flew out into the fucking sky. And I thought that was really nice that the viewer gets to see what they get to see. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. That's probably why they they have all these myths about the Batman, right? Like he can exactly, fly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, when we, it, like they have no idea it was a grappling hook. He, yeah. The dude just fucking flew with Vicky Vale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it was quite funny with the scene as well. Just before they get into the fight, he 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 drops down uh, and kind of falls over. I guess, and they they shoot him. Fall in with style. Yeah, fall in with style. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> into the garbage, um, and they shoot him. And they're, they're like, who is this guy? And the first thing Bob says is, oh, check his wallet. Does that thing <laughs> look like he's carrying a wallet? Do they look like there's pockets in the back? That's fucking yeah, ID, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I like you get his driving license out. It's like, well, it says he's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Seems legit. <laughs> it says he's some guy called Wayne. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, we get this kind of you know, this wonderful um, scene of Batman obviously just beating the shit out of bad guys, and it's it's quite fun. Like it's quite you, you know you can feel his hits; they're quite brutal. But then there's yeah. almost comic styling. Pow, 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 he goes into the bin, <laughs> and then there's the guy who goes over the car, and it's, yeah. it's all quite fun. And then there's the mental guy with the the swords who manages to jump a fence that's twice his height somehow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Did you notice again, uh, like I said earlier, about how Batman doesn't play by the same rules of reality as everyone else? They're all flying about and jumping and puffing and panting, and he, he doesn't breathe again. Yeah. He, he doesn't, breathe, <laughs> he doesn't talk, he just, he just punches, there. kicks, stands yeah. there, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's probably because the suit was so restrictive that yeah, the, Michael Keaton... <laughs> the one, one thing I would describe... <laughs> it looks cool. Describe Batman as, and, and Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne, is stiff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oi, oi. he needs to limber up a little bit. He needs to do some stretching, you know. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I mean, you know, last night I watched the the second film as well, um, just because I was on a bit of a Batman role, and I noticed in the second film that the 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 cowl they designed is instantly much thinner, and he's got more mobility. And when you compare the two side by yeah. side, this one looks a lot fucking rougher. It's really thick rubber. Um, mm. So Dan, yeah. I want you to put a mark down on your little bit of paper because you just spoke about a future film. Oh, hey. yeah, which isn't um, even an eighties movie, you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like that's I did, like double. I did hear that um, the 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 mask, the neck, and the whole headpiece was like into the cape was mm. is basically rigid. Like Michael Keaton cannot turn his head left or right in any yeah. scene where he turns. Mm. Like his yeah. whole body pivots because he just cannot move in that suit. Yeah, I saw a um, a Q and A with him at uh, some panel, and um, he's actually a claustrophobic. Uh, mm. So he has, he said get, getting into that suit, I almost had to face my fears, and he was able to kind How of how meta. Yeah, yeah, totally. When he was that that factored into his performance, you know, he was able to kind of just kind of go inwards, I guess, and kind of, um, you know, really, I, and I just kind of use that fear and and how Batman would have kind of perceived it, I guess. Just but I think also well. that's cool. That's, um, I think also, also that stiffness and him not sort of being able to, you know, you already mentioned, like he doesn't seem to move like other regular people. You know, I, you know, that adds to sort of his presence, his, you know, his. Um, mm his sense of being something otherworldly um, yeah. that, you know, that kind of stature, that kind of, you know, force of... Like uh, so composed. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Which, yeah. I mean, yes, he couldn't actually like physically move, but yeah, it just makes him look really composed, you know. And <laughs> I, I think control. I read somewhere as well that um, Keaton's actually so short that in some scenes he stood on a box to make Batman a bit more imposing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could have designed it into the Batsuit, you know, put some like, you know, platforms <laughs> some in. Some like, stilts on, yeah, heels. Still shoes <laughs> yeah. Following their escape from... Um, Joker's thugs, uh, Batman decides to take Vicky back to the Batcave um, whilst he's trying oi, oi. to hide his identity from her. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, he, he tells her that uh, he's worked out Joker's uh, recipe or the, you know, for, the, for the plan, for the cosmetics. This has all happened uh, off screen. So, yes, but you probably would have loved this. Oh, the yeah. secret <laughs> ingredient was coriander. <laughs> coriander. <laughs> coriander. <laughs> you know, Cilantro to our Cilantro, audience. Yeah. <laughs> what I is they, they say, okay, avoid the, you know, the, the following products. And then it's like, Deodorant, baby powder, lipstick, and hairspray. Of course, it's fucking hairspray. Yeah, it is. I thought. I know we're not going to talk about it, but I thought a really lovely touch was the news team. Yes, yes. How once the rulers come in, <laughs> they they're look not like complete products shit. anymore. They start looking awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah like spots of you know yeah. uh, bags like under the eyes. Yeah, she looks dreadful. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah, I love the scene. So he gives Vicky the recipe anyway, and asks her to, to take it public. Um, I'm just going to hand it over to you guys quickly. Any any thoughts on the Batcave? Because I realise we didn't kind of touch on this anywhere at all. So. Um, it's okay. ju just a little comment, I suppose. I think I think it still looks beautifully modern, even to today. Mm. Um, somehow they've just created a style. Again, it's you know whoever works with Burton on the set design, but um, it uh, it looks maybe a little bit dated, but not overly. It's just lovely 
gothic industrial yeah. technology and it's yeah it's really nice i didn't think it was yeah. like you know you look at some films you're like oh god look how embarrassing those computers look now but actually i thought this still looked quite modern it does, yeah the aesthetic almost kind of uh explains or kind of accepts that technology doesn't it it would appear dated but because that exists in its own world and its own place and time yeah just completely accept that that's what they've yeah. got it's kind of a little bit and here comes another alien uh, reference but it's kind of like the technology especially the first alien movie with sort of this uh again it feels timeless so when you mm. watch that now it doesn't feel dated or weird and again it's sort of, it's all like the same thing here i would say with the bat cave it feels oddly restrictive like it's like I mean, I don't know if it's, um, um, you know, um, I didn't really see it properly, but it feels like the only place he can actually sit, like the Batcave itself, like this huge chasm, but he can only sort of, you know, there is like, um, you know, an, uh, um, what do you call it, like a cliff edge where he can just about park mm. the Batmobile and just about fit the Bat computer in, and that's it. Like, that's what all expecting? that he can do. Oh, there's a sofa. We've got the dance floor <laughs> over in this corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can get cocktails at the bar. I mean, but it is a cave, you know? It is a cave, but still, I mean, in the comics, you know, he's got a full size uh, dinosaur T Rex uh, in there. He's got all this kind of memorabilia uh, in there, and he's got like this whole display case, and he's got the Batwing in there. Uh, he's got the bat boat he's got all the bat stuff the in bat there. lunchbox and, yeah Dan. bat lunchbox exactly just, um, just talking about the comic count as um breaking the rules of this film i'd like few... to say it does mark him up all right <laughs> thank you <laughs> no bollocks mate <laughs> <laughs> i kind of love that bruce wayne has the same regard for health and safety as the empire in star wars yeah. like, <laughs> railings be fine like exactly. it's all right <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah uh after he's kind of they've taken this stuff public, um, we get a bit of a scene between Bruce Wayne and Alfred. We haven't really spoken about Alfred actually, but mm. um, you know, mm. really nice performance by Michael Gow. Not a lot to say, really, is there? <laughs> he's, he's got a bit of a background character, but again, he was—he's actually a, 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 one of the old Hammer horror uh, actors, mm. bit of a institution there. So yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if Tim Burton. Well, he has a, he has a great uh, line in this film though, when uh, when uh, Vicky and Bruce Wayne are dating, and, and and Alfred says to Vicky, like, "I noticed every time you come here, Bruce Wayne or <laughs> Bruce feels." feels a bit like a, a, a weight has gone from him or he feels lighter. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, that's... <laughs> you can tell Alfred's dirty old man and on Dirty old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he seems more into her than Bruce. Yeah. I actually think that, uh, the, uh, I mean, the Bruce, Wayne and Alfred relationship is, you know, it's quite a key one to the mythos in general. Um, <laughs> but I think this particular one here is actually quite endearing. Like there's like these little comical little you know nods especially during mm. the party where it's you sort of have the feeling that alfred is always sort of right behind bruce wayne sort of you know ready to save him from you know because he puts his glass in an odd place or he puts a mm. pen in an odd place and alfred's always there to kind of to kind of um sort of you know uh, help him um but also i also felt think like he cares for him mm. yeah he, he genuinely really cares for him he yeah. really does and i do think that michael um um sorry michael gow uh, he plays him reserved, but also he's not afraid to speak his mind. Like, you know, mm. Alfred is generally concerned that Bruce is going down this dark path here. And <laughs> so, yeah, I think that their relationship is a really good one uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in this. Yeah. So building on that, I mean, you know, there's a conversation between him, him and Bruce. Um, he's kind of almost pressuring Bruce to, you know, pursue a normal life with this mm. woman, you know, maybe even marry her and settle down. Um, which co I think causes Bruce Wayne to be a little bit conflicted about, you know, maybe my life doesn't have to be dark and brooding and traumatic. You know, maybe I can actually live a normal life. So uh, he decides to go to Vicky's apartment just to 
basically tell her he's Batman, you know, mm. if it convinces him to, you know, be truthful with someone for once. Mm. And he's really shit um, at doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, his explanation of why he's been ghosting the fuck out of Vicky Vale uh, is unexpectedly cut short, though, when the Joker decides to arrive at the apartment as well. So, uh, as, we, Joker, as, as Joker. Yeah, as Joker. As yeah. Joker. And, we get and with the goons and that huge beatbox um, ghetto <laughs> again, blaster thing. Yeah. Again. Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But we get a scene now between Bruce Wayne and the Joker, which is kind of interesting mm. dynamic. You know, we, the previous scene we covered had our first meeting with Batman and the Joker together, and now we get Bruce Wayne and the Joker together, which is kind of an interesting um, I dynamic. I really, 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 really like Michael Keaton during these scenes. Yeah, I love his struggles to tell Vicky... I'm Batman, just say it. I'm mm. Batman, and he can't. And mm. you, you really feel this fucking, just fucking say it, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can say it. Yeah. And then also when he gets, you know, when he gets a bit crazy with Joker, he, I was just like, yeah, this guy's a really fucking cool actor, man. I really yeah. like this guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, there's a lot of nuance and subtlety to his performance, I think. He's, he's, you know, you can almost see what's happening in his thoughts, you know, Internally. behind his eyes. You know, he's delivering something, but there's something else happening behind him, and he just fucking plays it so well. It's yeah. so good. I think it's also like, like uh, Michael Keaton is a great cast both as Bruce Wayne and Batman because he plays Batman as this sort of silent, menacing, physically imposing force, you know. And Bruce, uh, he's he is playing Bruce Wayne, so sort of this reserved, recluse, a bit sort of socially challenged. Like Bruce Wayne mm. has always been sort of the ultimate introvert, right? And yeah. I think that Keaton gets this really, um, really spot on. I there's just one thing. I mean, um, I don't uh -oh. really get that, you know. The way Bruce reacts to meeting the Joker and his whole sort of, you know, let's get nuts type thing. I'm not really sure why he's exploding like that so quickly. <laughs> yeah. like, is he trying to goat Joker into shooting He's trying him to get on his yes. level, you know, he's trying I to, you know, yeah. match him in craziness. I think yeah. he probably knows, you know, fuck, he's turned up. I'm, I've got no body armor. I'm probably not going to get out of this alive. So I might as well just try and goad him into getting it over and done with. Yeah, um, and try and have some way of controlling the situation. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah there possibly. are two sections of dialogue in this scene that I absolutely love. The first is when um, Joker walks. Joker has already walked in, and then Bruce Wayne casually walks in, and uh, Joker asks, "Oh, Bruce Wayne, is it?" And Bruce says, oh, most of the time." <laughs> and I love that because actually most of the other time he's Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a really lovely yeah. touch that he yeah. kind of lets him know, but doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But there's, you're right. there's an even cooler one that leads to the conclusion of this, and it's when Bruce Wayne is super cocksure of himself, and he leads leans in, and he he thinks he's Jack. Well, he knows he's Jack Napier, and he says, "I know who you are." Yeah. And then the scene continues, and it's not actually till Joker says, "You know, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" And then Bruce Wayne realizes who he really, really is. is yeah. And it's yeah, like, it's not yeah, just yeah. Jack Napier. It's the guy who killed your parents. Yep. And that moment of shock on Bruce Wayne's face is fucking yeah. brilliant, where he was so sure of himself. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, his whole world has just mm. caved in. It just yeah, shocks him completely. And that moment. reaction is just played so perfectly well. It's like, oh, you know. Um. I think this whole scene is also really just served to show how... If you if you weren't on board before, how fucking broken these two people are! Like mm, totally they are just right. a complete mess. Uh, one of the things I thought was really quite fun actually is when Bruce first walks into the apartment, he's like, "Nice apartment, nice space." And then the Joker walks, in, he's like, "Nice apartment, lots of space." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so was, they're basically uh, the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I thought was funny was um 
when Joker is becoming quite threatening to Vicky and he smashes the mask on the mantelpiece, she grabs this huge glass bowl of popcorn yeah. like she's going to have to use it as a weapon. But then later in the scene, she's just eating just popcorn eating while, yeah, while he's threatening everyone. Well, I could think of it as that Michael Jackson meme. Oh, these guys are arguing. I'll just eat popcorn. Yeah, but but then Bruce smashes her face. It's like, when everyone just stop smashing this poor woman's apartment? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Hell. And just the fact that she has a vase with popcorn in it is just so random. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, was she planning on sitting down and having a nice dinner uh, sort of popcorn um, and chill uh, popcorn mm. and chill yeah exactly <laughs> or what or is it a decorated rate of thing is it an 80s thing you know I don't get it it just seems so random it's an 80s thing I, um, I'm pretty I, sure I, I don't know why I can't really pinpoint it but I really 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 love this scene it yeah. just feels like a mm. moment in this film where mm. everything is suddenly about to un- you, this is like a turning point scene everything's about to unravel because now now Joker is finally himself he's not hiding behind face paint anymore Bruce has now realised he's the killer of his parents and you're like okay this is it this is the moment we're on everyone has in, you know faced each other now yeah. yeah I think it's, it's nice. maybe also because that in that scene um, I mean Bruce isn't behaving the way that you would expect him to like you know there's like there's you're right like it feels like there is a bit of a turning point here like sort of what what you thought you knew about especially Bruce Wayne up until that point is sort of sort of I don't know um, been flipped um, flipped upside down maybe mm-hmm. uh, I don't know yeah, I also yeah. really like the little the little joke ending as well when they've left <laughs> and it's absolute carnage and everything's falling apart and she's just sort of brought herself together like what is going on yeah. and then she opens that box and the glove jumps out and she just fucking yeah faints <laughs> like, 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 yeah. I love that dance that Jack Nicholson does when he leaves away. he's like, like yeah. <laughs> it's little like birdie dance he called it it's oh, cracks me up that's definitely my dad <laughs> my dad is so Jack Nicholson <laughs> but not the horrible part of him <laughs> so anyway yeah following on after all these guys have decided to trash Vicky's apartment um, Vicky goes back to Knox and then learns that uh, Bruce Wayne's parents were murdered um, I mean he's a small boy again why does no one fucking know this like why does no one know who Bruce Wayne is and why does no one know what happened to his parents um, and then we see that uh, Bruce is now back in the Batcave kind of brooding over the information that he now knows Jack Napier or the Joker is the person who killed his parents, you know, trying to kind of figure out what to do with that information. He's just fucking angry now. He's kind of reliving that whole moment um, mm. again and everything's just sort of make, making sense to him now and, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, as if his trauma hadn't already caused him enough issues, now he's really, like, done. Um, the Joker, on the other hand, at the moment, you know, he's frustrated that his earlier scheme was foiled. You know, he tried to poison all these people and it didn't work. You know, Batman foiled it. Um, and so he decides to put on this parade for Gotham. You know, all through the film, they're trying to get this parade kicked off and it's not going well. And Joker decides, hey, you know, I've got a bunch of money. I'm going to try and get the people on my side <laughs> and challenge Batman on live TV to duke it out. And, you know, we'll see who the people really love. So he kind of throws down this gauntlet. Uh, and yeah, Batman's going to go to work. You know, after after a brief kind of conversation with Vicky Vell, who Alfred decided to let into the Batcave, um, yeah, can, can we, we like, stop a little bit of that scene? Like she, she doesn't. <laughs> I have a problem with this this scene. I think uh, you guys probably have as well. But like, why isn't she surprised in the least that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Like she doesn't even, you know, acknowledge it. You know, all she wants so, to talk about is about their fucking relationship. You know, Dan like, and I were talking about this last night. Yeah, off screen of the podcast. It happened off screen. <laughs> we off-screen. we get a feeling that like maybe something's happened with the making of the film because. Mm. Mm. I feel like by now she already knows yeah. he's Batman. Like it's not yeah. even a surprise to her anymore, but maybe something happened in editing where it went yeah. wrong. Because even when she's in the car with him earlier, I feel like, you know, she's trying to look under the mask, but I think she already knows it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. 
And by this stage, it just feels like the way she walks in, it's just not a surprise to us. Like, of course you're fucking Batman. I knew this ages yeah. ago. Yeah. But the film yeah. almost... Well, that's another yeah, thing. It, and then, it, you know, if I may compare to future Batmans, but like... Mark, you gotta get you know, him up. Uh, like, well, you know, Christian Bale, he does it like another voice as Batman. But, you know, Michael mm. Keaton is basically the same voice and his fucking... You know, his face is kind of recognizable. You can, yeah. <laughs> you can see clearly that it's Bruce Wayne, right? So I guess that's why, you know, the, he's kind of in the movie. Like, no one knows mm. who he is. You know, he's not yeah. actually... yeah. So as I was saying to Leon uh, last night off screen, uh, the, the <laughs> idea was that Vicky Vale was supposed to put two and two together. She was supposed to figure out the secret of Batman. Mm. Um, but yeah, that they I, I feel like they kind of, as Leon mentioned, maybe something went wrong in the editing or maybe they just decided to scrap that storyline, I don't know. But I kind of feel they really disserved Kim Basinger yeah. here by just then relegating her role to this damsel in distress and not mm. having her be the person who figures this out. You know, she's supposed to be the audience's entryway into this, and then yeah. I guess yeah. we, well, this we is another know. another movie that's not you know very uh, <laughs> feminist. <laughs> like yeah. she slept with a dude. She's seen him dangling upside down asleep. Yeah, she's encountered Batman multiple times. She's a fucking journalist. She she must by this point know. Yeah, but the film doesn't let on. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I don't really have that much of a problem with this scene. I know there also uh, a lot um, a lot of fans did, and apparently the um, scriptwriter has sort of gone out and apologized, saying, "Yeah, I kind of messed that whole thing up um, a bit." But like you guys, it's kind of like I mean, at you know, she's not surprised because she already knows. She's already put it together. But you're right; it does feel like there is a there is mm. something missing of her sort of mm. having that revelation, putting the whole thing together, maybe. But uh, again, you know, it like it happens off screen. Um, so, and <laughs> they've been maybe, fucking man. Yeah, if, and I, maybe if just... I'd been sleeping with a girl, and then one day she just turned up in a mask, I'd still know it was her. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also at this point, like in the movie, it's sort of like you know the you know the focus is on the relationship between Batman and Joker, and sort of we need to sort of get quicker yeah. to that um, climax there. Um, I think so. So yeah. Yep. So speaking of the climax, so uh, yeah, oh, Batman yeah. gears up, we get a little montage, <laughs> you gotta have a montage, and uh, he goes out into the night to to get his revenge, basically, da, 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 da. you know, bum, Batman bum, is off bum, the fucking bum, chain bum, now, da, da, so, da, and he's bringing out the Batwing, he's going, well, not yeah, he's not, he's first gonna go to Axis Chemicals, oh yeah, that's right, and use the Batmobile, so we see the Batmobile flying into Axis Chemicals, uh, and it just, well, it drives, but, <laughs> well yeah, it drives into Axis Chemicals, <laughs> And it just fucking blows the place sky yeah. high. There were people working there. His no-kill ratio yeah, is out the fucking window. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's fucking off the chain now. He does not he know just shit. obliterated like, so many people. We saw them yeah. working there. Yeah. What does no one ever think about the family of a henchman? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we get some really iconic shots of the Batmobile, you know, driving through the factories. Everything's like, poof, just blowing around so it. And it's reflecting that, that fire man. That, that's so one of those shots that, like, we are pre-CGI. And they mm -hmm. had so much pyro, like pyrotechnic rigged up. Yeah. That was one of those, get this shot right, please, yeah. for the love of God, get this shot right. Because this shit is going up in flames, man. That shot, I think, is what almost earns Batman as being a film for us to discuss in the action hero cinema. You know, we, all of our films have been about, you know, guns and explosions. And that explosion fucking puts it up there with some of the films we've done. It's absolutely yeah, for sure. off the chain. So good. Mm. And just this car screaming through the middle. Yeah, machine guns <laughs> blazing and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Smash through the gates. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then it turns um, out that Batman is not even in the car. You know, it, how fucking and Joker wasn't is even that? in the building. <laughs> Joker wasn't there either. Oh, no, yeah. Joker wasn't there. Right? Just Dolph. pointlessly killed hundreds of people. Yeah. yeah, no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Darn it, I'll get you next time. <laughs> so we see the Joker escape on a, on a helicopter. And then we're, we're kind of treated next to this next shot then of uh, the Joker starts his parade. And we get these, you know, we get this lovely, you know, you know horrible canyon kind of shot of Gotham. It's fucking and we, great, man. We get these balloons coming through that are so, this is where Burton feels like Burton. These, the design of these balloons would be at home in like the Nightmare Before Christmas or Beetlejuice. Yeah. They're, they're Burton all over. But this I whole scene is amazing. this scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's riding along like, in his big cake. Like, yeah, Joker dance. with Bob next to him and they're dancing on top of the cake <laughs> and there's huge balloons and like prints playing and spotlights. And yeah. It's so fucking, fucking awesome, good. man. So, so much he, energy. The reason he's got people here is he said he's going to dump out 20 million in cash. That's the only reason these people are here. You know, it's 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 kind of a nice little um, message about how, you know, Gotham is so fucking corrupt and so mm. destroyed by capitalism that these people are willing to step on each other to get this money. And one thing they actually didn't do in this film, which I think is a shame, is that there were supposed to be some shots where people would grab the money and it has his face on the one dollar bill. Mm, it's fake money. Yeah, so these yeah. people are dying for fake money. I think that would have been wonderful if they'd kept that. Yeah. Um, but that's a bit of a shame. Well, now, yeah. I was like, now, I was convinced that that scene was in the actual movie. So <laughs> when I was watching it on, uh, 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 I was watching it on on DVD, and I got really flustered because, like, is there a scratch like on my DVD? Because I so remember that scene. It turns out they never filmed it, but it is in the comic book adaption of it, and that's where oh, I right. remember yeah, yeah, it from. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wicked. But yeah. yeah, it is that they realize that it is uh, Joker with his face on the $1 bill because like he said, you know, that's yeah. what he wanted yeah. um, as well. And it's, so. it's the public falling for the joke. Yeah, again. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it, I'd have been, that, I think that's, yeah, they should have kept that. It's such a lovely so idea. So many layers, layers upon layers, <laughs> layers, <laughs> layers. So it's <laughs> a layer <laughs> cake. It's a layer cake, yeah. Daniel Craig, James Bond reference. Boom! Oh, <laughs> oh, did you do it just for? Damn it! <laughs> yes, but you've been showed up. I've been showed up indeed. You've been served, man. <laughs> so, uh, Eddie, yeah, like the Joker starts out. gassing the crowd with his balloons. We find that his balloons are actually full of more of the the Smilex gas, and he starts gassing the crowd, and people are dropping dead left, right, and centre. Uh, meanwhile, we find that uh, Batman's decided to just quickly pop off home and uh, pick up his own <laughs> plane. He's coming in with a fucking Batwing, you're like, you know. Oh, man. How good is that plane? <laughs> yeah, it, so it's good. amazing. Like, the Batmobile, this, the design is iconic, but this is like, the, like the Batwing here is such a great design as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. So what I really love is how there's visual consistency between yes. the vehicles. They all look like they were definitely designed by the same person. Like, yeah, and again, it's that Gotham thing. Everything yeah. just feels Gotham. From yes, expressionist. Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> also, back on the verticality in Gotham as well. I love when the the bat wings hurtling through the sky. You can see that Gotham is so vertical that the tops of the buildings are all poking through the clouds, and the yeah. moon is up there. And you just, again, you just you feel this world they're in. You totally you get where they are. It's, yeah, for sure. And he does that moment where it sort of hovers up in front of the moon and sort oh, of just lingers there for a moment. You see the silhouette of the Batwing in front of the moon before it <laughs> yeah. plummets back down to Earth it's at like a million a miles shot. an hour. So it's such good. a great gimmick. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just find it a bit weird that he seems to be flying backwards and forwards a lot <laughs> just while people this. are being gassed <laughs> and, you know, just sort of trying to, oh, maybe well, I'll do that. No, maybe I'll do that. I'll just fly up to as, the as moon As we've first. already established, Jesper, he doesn't save people. He waits for the crowd to be committed first. Yeah, then exactly. he goes in. And, and then he goes prob- in. Yeah, exactly. It's probably just really fun to fly as well. He probably doesn't take it, it must out be, of, yeah. <laughs> you know Batman when people buy that gnarly <laughs> motorbike and they only take it out on Sundays? Give me a minute. <laughs> I thought a cool observation of this film as well that I noticed was um the roles have massively changed here. So in every scene up until this point, um shit always hits the fan and the Batman is always cool as a cucumber. 
Yeah. And he just takes everything in his stride, fights his way through it, gets out the other end. And in this scene, Joker is cool as a cucumber. And actually, mm. the Batman is in a bit of panic mode. He's trying to get the toxic clouds and he's hurling through the city. And he's trying to lock on his targets on Joker. And Joker's just there with a pistol. And it's like. He's blinded by vengeance and rage as well. Yeah, so, it's, you know. it's flipped. Yeah. The, the entire roles of these guys has flipped from us. So, all, these, uh, all the shots with the Batwing, you know, they're all, all kind of model shots. Um, one thing I thought was quite funny, actually, was there's, there's a, a couple of shots where you see uh, Batman in the Batwing and he's actually a, a little model. Control puppet, and that model has more mobility than Michael Keaton. In the <laughs> He's turning his head around. Like, it's probably <laughs> taller as well. <laughs> but it looks fucking wonderful. I do feel that some of the model shots are a little bit ropey now. Some of it looks a little mm, dated. Yeah. I think but some it's of those okay, sh- man. shots, but it is fine. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. it's okay. It's just it's just so much fun to watch this yeah. bat wing toy smash into the city as fire goes everywhere. It's <laughs> yeah. just fun. Yeah. Well, what, I th- what I thought was quite funny is, you know, he's he's flying in towards the Joker and he's, he's firing missiles, he's firing fucking yeah. machine guns. He's got all that technology and he still misses. Yeah. yeah. Still misses. That, that revolver with the barrel that's like two <laughs> foot long all, all the way so up good. his brown. Just <laughs> aims it out against the perfect shot. It's so good. <laughs> I also love so when uh, well, Bob when when Bob you know he f- fucks up or something oh, and, uh, yeah. and 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 the Joker is like Bob gone and <laughs> gives him a gun yeah. and then he shoots him. Yeah. Gonna need a minute or two alone, boys. Yeah, <laughs> you can see he's actually gutted about it. So and I then- do actually think that's a metamorphosis of Joker at that point. So prior to this scene, he's always sort of a little bit conflicted in himself if he should appear as Joker or if he should appear as a human. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, he tries to poison the entire city and kill everyone he kills his number one guy and he kidnaps vicky mm. and i think he's just that's his metamorphosis into like super villain mm. like, yeah he is mm. now fucking joker there anything goes like yeah i really feel bad for poor bob the goon here because <laughs> joker is really upset that batman has come in his batwing and stolen joker's balloons and he's really upset that no one told joker that batman has one of those <laughs> things and then he takes out on bob by shooting him it's like well how the fuck was bob supposed to know yeah. the thing yeah. is bob has been such a wonderful man to him yeah, the whole yeah. way through yeah. this yeah he's exactly. always had his back he's always defended him yeah. he's done whatever he wanted he even had a little laugh and joke with him when joker was cutting out photos of hickey back at the start <laughs> exactly. just, just like that bang bob is gone the guy who played bob uh, i forget his name now um he does a really great job of um the character um, but he's actually a personal friend of Jack Nicholson uh, when Tim oh. Burton was casting for the role Tim was actually like, you know is there someone you'd want for this role and Jack yeah, my mate yeah, Bob. My mate, <laughs> yeah my mate Bob my mate Bob <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that really helps their dynamic it's, yeah it's, yeah definitely yeah. he's a great character I, I really just while we're on Bob because he disappears after the scene I really 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 liked right at the very start when um Eckhart pulls his gun on Jack Napier and Bob just appears over Straight Napier's him. shoulder with his gun and it was, yeah, yeah. it's just so threatening yeah. I, loved, yeah. I fucking loved that scene yeah so uh, Joker's used his uh, fucking hand cannon to basically shoot down the Batwing in one shot after Bruce oh. fired a barrage of missiles. Heartbreaking. Uh, and the Batwing is down. Yeah, it's out. The Joker's parade's ruined. The Batwing's crashed. Just and a after bad running, day. It's just a shit day. <laughs> uh, and after running over to see if Bruce has even survived, you know, um, the Joker's decided to take Vicky hostage. She's trying to peer through the wreckage, see if Bruce has survived the whole thing and the Joker shows up and takes the hostage uh, and they retreat into Gotham Cathedral and we're now into the climax of our film. Mm. Um, something I really liked, and I did time this to check this as well, so the, the Joker uh, radios in chopper support and he says, going to need transport for two in five minutes. And then he looks up and says, actually better make it ten. 
and the next events that unfold all happen in 10 minutes. No way. Very it's nice. Fucking cool. <laughs> you Very timed nice. it. I am, yeah, I timed am it. amazed. Yeah. Stopwatch. Yeah. Yeah. I like, when wow. you look at the size of Gotham Cathedral, I am amazed it took them just 10 minutes to walk all that way <laughs> yeah. up. Like, I've had an asthma attack halfway up. But we know that now they're superheroes and villains. They don't follow they don't the same breathe, rules of reality. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what I, what I really like about this is I think this establishes two really cool things. I think that um, by showing the journey up the staircase, what Burton has done is shown us the threat of the battleground at the top. If they just appeared at the top, you know, they're just fighting in this big place with a bell. Mm. Because they've shown the, the, the height of it, the verticality of it as they go mm. up there and the bell falling and stuff, by the time they get up there every fight feels more dangerous because you know that one wrong move someone's <laughs> going like, down. They're all the way down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other little thing I thought was quite nice was, that, as I said, um, Burton has every scene seemed to have this verticality. Everything was on multiple layers. And now the end scene, they go to the very peak of Gotham. Like this is the ultimate conclusion. So they go into the highest point of Gotham. And I just thought it was nice how he'd, you know, at the start of the film, we're on the ground level looking at everyone. And at the end of the film, we're at the absolute peak of Gotham. And I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, that's nice. Very nice. So the Joker uh, takes Vicky Vale to the, the top of the, the cathedral, I guess. Um, you know, he's trying to create as much carnage all the way up as he can and make it difficult for Batman, who has survived the crash out of the Batwing and is now following them up the stairs. But, uh, you know, he's he's taken a few hits. You can see he's um, not in the best of shapes. Uh, and we reach the climax of the tower. It's, uh, you know, this, this bell tower. Um, interestingly, uh, when they were making the film, actually, uh, even when Jack Nicholson was climbing the stairs, he was asking Tim Burton, what's going to happen to my character? They, they had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> at the end of this film. And one day, John Peters, the producer, just rocks up and says, yeah, I've spent about 100 grand on a on a bell tower set, <laughs> yeah, anticipating that was going to be the end of the film. You know, why wouldn't you? Uh, and then Tim was like, fuck, okay, well, I guess I've got to shoot this bell tower scene then so they decided to just kind of do as much as they could in that bell tower because they'd spent and it turns money. out my whole theory on verticality is out the window <laughs> <laughs> in Tim's head they were going to go up and then just come back down again and go out like <laughs> I really like that go on, sorry, go on go after you I was going to say that one thing I found uh, really weird when they get to the top of the bell tower so Batman gets in all these goons appear I was like where the, where the fuck did yeah. they come from like, like yeah, like, did, like maybe the helicopter. Did they run ahead or what? Or <laughs> what happened? Yeah. But they just appear. <laughs> they do. I like that the fights up here, the, yeah. the impact of everything has suddenly got so much more. You, you get a few good fist fights and punches and kicks up here, and everything just hits fucking hard. Man. Yeah. Like, Especially we see Batman's just ramped a up. fucking beat down here as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. My, my favorite is when, like, there are a few fights, but when uh, Batman and Joker finally come face to face, and Batman fucking boots him he bounces <laughs> yeah. off that bell with so much yeah. impact bounces straight back into Batman he you just slaps it. him again yeah <laughs> like that hit is my favourite man I mean the final fight between them it's a bit sort of one-sided uh, you know it's basically just Joker just taking a lot of you know a lot of hits but then again Joker has never really been much of a fighter really yeah. you know he's an instigator of chaos he's you know he's never really been much of a fighter that, that's what I actually love about Joker is actually he's him as a person isn't very good. It's just his yeah. his ability to cause chaos is what yeah. makes him so dangerous. He even sort of pleads and begs a bit. Oh, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he would. I, I love his delivery of the line. So Leon says, you know, if he fucking, there's that first shot where he fucking smacks him when he bounces off the bell. 
and then he says, you know, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, you idiot, you yeah. made me. That, 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 the delivery of that, you idiot, it just fucking yeah. kills me yeah. every time. I also love the the waltz to death, it's called. The the waltz, the piece of music that, um, uh, what's his name, guys? Danny Elfman. Danny Alfman, Alfman, yeah, Danny Alfman, yeah. thank you. Um, that he's created for this scene, just that beautiful waltz music as Batman's <laughs> kicking the shit out of goons and it's just this lovely <laughs> rhythm to everything that's happening. Yeah. And I love that uh, Batman's kind of ducking under that swinging chain like in time to the, the rise and fall of the music. It's really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I, I do have a bit of trouble with actually in this scene is uh, when we get our final confrontation with Batman and the Joker, I feel like Batman goes into it so I'm saying, you, know, you killed my parents, and he's he's assuming the Joker knows who he is. But mm. there's at no point is it made clear that the Joker mm. does deduce that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Uh, and even when he starts, you know, get taking the beatings, Joker's like, "What are you What are you talking about?" And it's just like, I don't know. I, I think they mm. kind of drop the ball a little bit there. That that vengeance almost seems one sided because it actually has no mm. fucking idea what he's being murdered yeah. for. You but know? it's kind of like you would kind of expect someone like Joker or Jack Napier to not really know because he's probably killed hundreds of people in very gruesome exactly. ways. So, yeah. you know, I mean, well, he what's does one life? Earlier. Yeah, when they, when they confronted earlier, he was like, oh, don't take it personally. I was young. I was stupid. <laughs> That's true. He actually does say yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't care. They were just people. They mugged them. Yeah. 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 Uh, another kind of interesting I picked up on. So um, Bjorn, earlier you said that, you know, Keaton doesn't have much of a Batman voice, but he does kind of drop it a little bit. But at this point, He's speaking as Bruce Wayne. He's he's actually even though he's in the costume, he's he's not Batman at this point. He's mm. Bruce Wayne, and he's getting vengeance. They merge the two almost yeah, exactly, like you know. Yeah. There's no distinction between them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get a mm. we get a absolutely fucking beast of a fight here. He absolutely hammers the shit out of Jack Nicholson, and um, yeah, that, that that scene where he says you know, wouldn't hit a guy with glasses fucking kills me. I yeah. think that's such a good delivery from Nicholson, and then mm. of course yeah. Batman fucking smacks him one in the face and he goes over the building but he's he's not dead yet he as they look over the side he pulls both batman and vicky over the side with his superhuman strength yeah. that he got from somewhere uh, and now we're now we're kind of into the you know the very last few minutes of the film now so um batman and vicky are now dangling from the top of top of gotham cathedral the joker we see is landed on a ledge and he's kind of quite merry about the whole situation <laughs> blood pouring down his face yeah um, i did notice a, a nice little visual cue here that he is dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight which he is, is interesting. Ah, wow. um and he, yeah he's just fucking enjoying the entire situation <laughs> so on that what i really like about this is that um joker and jack nicholson are absolutely ludicrous like he is so comical and ridiculous and he's making jokes and he's dancing around and stepping on their fingers and laughing yeah What's so good about Joker as a character in general is he's always a threat. Mm -hmm. Even though he's ridiculous and it's like, this guy is just stupid. You could laugh at him. He's an idiot. But he's, you know, at any moment, like he can, he can just cause absolute fucking mayhem and everything can go wrong. Yeah. I just love how th this character is, yeah, a, a ridiculous threat. You can't take him seriously, but at the same time, you have to take this guy very fucking seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's unpredictable. Like, yeah, completely. totally unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. completely and I kind of feel like this whole scene where he's he's on the edge you know he's got the advantage here at this point and although he's joking and laughing and still being quite threatening you can also kind of see he's actually quite nervous and quite scared i think like it almost feels like his comedy is a reaction to the fucking dire situation he's actually yeah, in at the possibly. moment um it's you know it's not a good situation um but yeah you know we, we see this chopper come in fully 10 minutes uh, after he called for it nice timing lads and uh you know <laughs> they drop a ladder for him to get out 
and uh, the Joker tries to make his escape. He grabs it on the ladder and he tries to leave. Uh, and in a last ditch attempt to uh, stop him getting away, Batman uh, fires. Uh, what was it like a batarang, a grappling hook, batarang, grappling yeah. hook? <laughs> it wraps around the Joker's leg and a also wraps around hook. the battling Bat- hook. No, battling tra- hook. Trademark it before Bruce Wayne does. <laughs> 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 uh, and it wraps around the, gar- the gargoyle that's there, uh, and the gargoyle. As the as the helicopter starts to slide off, uh, um, fly off, the gargoyle slides off uh, with the weight, and uh, we see that Jack uh, is really kind of struggling to Dude, to hold this thing. I absolutely adore this as an end frame, and the it's reason so I love it is because so many films end with a moment and you're like, oh, I could have avoided that. And what I like about this is there is absolutely no fucking way that Joker can get out of this now. Yeah, like the moment he's taken off and that thing's on his leg. It's like he's doomed, and it's just like this ticking clock waiting yeah. for this poor Fuck. guy to lose his grip. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. It's it's conclusive. I'm watching this as a kid as well. Like that that whole scene, the moment the goggle comes loose, and you know he can't hold that weight, but they keep hanging on it for those you know, few minutes. As yeah. a kid watching this, I was like, "This is fucking awful. Like this is a yeah. horrible way to die. Like I can't it's imagine gnarly. Yeah. being yeah. dragged to your death by this fucking huge piece of stone, yes. you know, hundreds of feet." So the you know the pavement below like fuck so good. I feel like you know at some point they were writing it and they were figuring out how this scene works and and someone had come up with that and I feel like it's one of those moments where everyone was just like like yes like yes that is exactly how to fucking finish this. It's also sort of how as Joker realizes that you know he's stuck he can't get off and now the you know the gargoyle has come off and it's dangling he stops laughing like you know actual panic starts to sort of he's fucked yeah he's completely (laughs) fucked and you know he he can't laugh his way out of this one you know um yeah yeah it's gnarly (laughs) yeah so he's dragged to his death uh basically we see him fall off that ladder and drop fucking yeah literally you know drop however many feet down and the last we see of him is he's splat on the pavement and there's that still smiling though yeah, still, still smiling. smiling. And there's yeah. a lovely camera shot, you know, kind of craning and zooming yeah. down on it, and then he's laughing. Yeah. And that yeah. as a kid also freaked me out, man. I was yeah, like, me too. Yeah. that's weird. Yeah. I could never really figure out what was going on. And I yeah, it's that. such a nice little touch that, you know, he's like, is he actually still alive? Like, you know, yeah. what's happening? And then just well, figure out, is, is this He gets laugh the last laugh. He, yeah. He, yeah, he does oh, get yeah, the yeah, last yeah. laugh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> symbolism, yeah. symbolism, symbolism, symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> So the joke is dead. Yeah. His reign of terror is over. Uh, the police have now rounded up all of his goons and together with Batman, they make a public statement that crime will no longer be tolerated in Gotham. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> At least until yeah. the next one. Until <laughs> the next one, yeah. <laughs> Walking away from the announcement, we see Alfred pick up Vicky in the car. Uh, but considering she's not in the sequel, I'm assuming he takes her to some dungeon in the Batcave somewhere and locks her up. Kills her. <laughs> <laughs> or marries her and they disappear yeah. into the... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And as the camera pans up through Gotham for the very last time, we see the Dark Knight watching out over a city that now feels hope for the first time in a long time. And oh. I fucking threw my fists into the air and I cheered and I was like, that was sick. Something we didn't mention, and it's, it, you know, we always do trivia at the end, but something I do really want to mention before we get to that bit is Danny Elfman's score throughout this film is absolutely fucking brilliant. Like yep. every moment of this film is so perfectly scored. Like it dances between, you know, threat and comedy and romance and action. And like, yeah, he, he's absolutely on form. One, absolutely. I, I said this to you guys before the podcast, mm. but uh, he's one of my favorites. And it's because of this, this, this soundtrack, this score. On yeah. the music mm. as well. Um, uh, so I'm a bit of a soundtrack geek in general and I've always been a big fan of Danny Elfman's, um, you know, soundtrack here. But so I was doing a little bit of uh, reading up on it. So, um, 
so he obviously composed the music, but he didn't conduct it. Uh, him, um, he didn't conduct it uh, himself. So he teamed up with a conductor, was a woman named Shirley Walker, who I think, uh, sort mm. of reading up on her, deserves some special mention because she was one of the few female composers and conductors who were working in Hollywood at the time. And she's also on one James of the f- Bond. Sorry. On James Bond? No, 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 because that's coming later. Um, but Shirley Walker here is also one of the first women in cinema history to get a solo credit as a composer, which was Sweet. actually on a movie by one of John Carpenter's earlier movies called Memoirs of an Invisible Man, probably one of oh, his nice. less known ones, and one of the few ones that he didn't score himself. She's also worked as the composer on the Final Destination movies, um, and she worked again with Carpenter on Escape from L.A., but she is perhaps, and I'm probably going to get a black mark for this but she's also perhaps best known for the composer for the batman animated series which sort of spun out of this movie here and the batman Mm. craze uh she won several awards for that and she also worked on a lot of the other dc uh, animated shows from the 90s she's sadly no longer with us she passed away in 2006 but she's definitely left an impressive legacy of music behind and if you haven't done so already i would really encourage you to check out her music especially her score for the batman uh, animated series and um one of the music uh, sorry, uh, one of the um, sort of the movies within sort of the Batman animated universe is called Mask of the Phantasm. That's definitely worth uh, checking out, especially the opening theme, which is right up there with Danny Elfman's classic. So yes, but that is actually considered that. one of the very best Batman media things. Mm. Like yeah, if the, you look at the rankings, that's always quite near the top. Yeah. yeah. And it's rightfully so because um, the Batman animated series, and sorry, we're wearing off, but give him they, a mark, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> several. Um, <laughs> but they had such an amazing grown up tone, even for a kids show. Um, and again, are dealing with a lot of really heavy subjects. So if you haven't checked out the animated series for Batman, definitely do that. And yeah, props nice, to yeah. props to Shirley Walker. Nice bit of trivia, man. I'm definitely going to seek out no, her music. Another quick little one. And I know we're, we're skimming through it because we're running out of time. Joker alternatives considered. Robin Williams, William Defoe, Tim Curry, David Bowie, Robert De Niro, and Jeff Goldblum. Hmm. All of those would have been fucking great in some yeah. way. <laughs> and interestingly, Ray Liotta was offered the role of Batman, Joker, and Harvey Dent, but he decided to do Goodfellas instead, which, to be fair to the guy, was probably a really fucking good move. He said that he thought Batman was going to be too silly. So he did Goodfellas, and let's face it, Goodfellas is like an all-time Goodfellas is awesome. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, no, good, it's a good move. Not financially, but yeah, good move. <laughs> <laughs> I have another interesting tidbit on casting, actually. Um, Vicky Vale, um, one of the uh, actresses they were considering was Michelle Pfeiffer, um, but Michael Keaton shot it down because they were dating at the time, and he didn't want that kind of aesthetic. Ironically, Michelle Pfeiffer would be cast alongside Keaton in the sequel, uh, but at that time, they were no longer dating, so that's pretty <laughs> fucking awkward. That must have been awkward, <laughs> for sure. Um, I have found a James Bond connection. Um, so uh, the uh, back in the 70s, I think that's when the producers of this movie, uh, Benjamin Melkner and Michael Us- Uslan, so they, so they got the film rights from DC Comics and then they started to you know, put their whole pitch together and they approached um, 
a uh, they approach a guy named Richard Mybaum to write the scripts and Guy Hamilton to direct. And uh, those two, they turned it down. And then the producers, they kept on pitching and the rest is history. But here's their connection. Richard Mybaum, uh, he wrote the script for pretty much every single James Bond movie from 1962's Dr. No to 1989's License to Kill, while Hamilton directed Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and Man with the Golden Gun. So there you nice. go. There Very it nice. is. But nice. wait, there's more. Because on the soundtrack <laughs> that Prince did, there's a track called Arms of Orion, which is sort of the love's theme. That's actually a duet between Prince and Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton sang the theme to the Bond movie For Your Eyes Only, which we've covered in an earlier episode of Last Action Heroes. Boom. There you she's go. She's the one they glued her head in place, isn't she? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I think before we wrap up trivia, and I think, Dan, probably you get to do the Stallone bit to wrap us up because this was your episode just the thing <laughs> i wanted to mention um was that we were talking about uh, earlier someone said about keaton's batman and christian bale's batman i was thinking about all the batmans while i was watching it and i actually think the arkham knight batman from the game is my favorite voiced batman mm, there's something yeah. about his sort of aged you know experienced Experience. gruffness that i quite like about that batman he's actually my favorite that was, so the voice actor there is Kevin Conroy, who is mm -hmm. also providing the voice for Batman in the animated series um, as there well. There we go. So there yeah, you go. Nice. And you're right, he is an awesome Batman. Uh, Bjorn, you got any trivia before I wrap up? Yeah, just one. Uh, so in, in, in Swedish, uh, in Sweden, uh, Batman is not actually called Batman. He's called Lederlappen, <laughs> which could be directly translated to the leather patch. And no one knows <laughs> why the fuck that is. <laughs> uh, in Sweden, they're like, why, why is he driving around a, a car shaped like a bat? Like, he's leather man. Yeah, there's a few doesn't. theories, but like, I guess if you directly translate bat in, in Swedish, it's called the uh, Fladdermus, which may, uh, translates to like a flapping mouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same in Danish. <laughs> flapping <laughs> mouse man. Yeah. At least, at least here in Denmark, he is still referred to as Batman. They haven't translated him. Uh, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> that was my trivia Dan would you like the Stallone one to wrap up our trivia section of why this film is so important to us yes so um, one of the things we found about this film uh, and one of the reasons we covered it is that we actually found that uh, when the film was released Stallone spoke out against the film heralding it as the death of the traditional 80s action hero gone were the muscles and the guns and the explosions and in came superheroes and kind of more softly built men with muscle suits and, and everything else. So yeah, this film effectively kicked off a new wave of films that would phase out the hero as we knew it. I think he's right. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think no. he's right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can you know, see the that. The kind of films that got us into this podcast, yeah, this this is the pivotal point where superheroes and action heroes and you know, well not action heroes but like costumes maybe. Mm. Costumes yep. came in. You don't have so to put in the word last action heroes. Pumping your muscles. <laughs> you just put on a put on a suit that has muscles already. <laughs> save this a lot is of our hard end. Work. Don't worry, folks. We're not, we're not going anywhere. We'll be back to bore you all with more movie trivia. Don't worry. <laughs> this is just the beginning. <laughs> Should we do yeah. the reviews? Cool, yeah, let's round up for some review scores then. So um uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bjorn you've been quite, quite yeah quiet let, let me start film, so. because my fucking internet is, is bad it. so I'm going to just keep this short but um, yeah solid <laughs> film uh, I like it um, yeah I mean Michael Keaton is a bit stiff but uh, you know and uh, some parts are a bit camp as well but um, solid film hey uh, seven from me Seven. All right. Seven. I think he froze exactly as he got his score outlet. He's frozen on my I'm screen. Is he yours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. What is it, Bjorn? What is it? 
<laughs> yeah, so we got a, a seven. I'm guessing out of ten, he might have said seven out of fifty. <laughs> we'll I never definitely know. heard seven for sure. Yeah, I heard the seven. <laughs> uh, yes, Ben, do you want to take it away? Yes, I do. Um, so um, I think the importance of this movie cannot be understated. I think Tim Burton made Batman cool again, and he cemented the Dark Knight as exactly that, a Dark Knight who's battling the same darkness he surrounds himself with. Uh, even now, today, because of, because of its timelessness, it's still iconic. It still holds up. It's still visually stunning. Uh, and um, imagine seeing this in the cinema for the very first time. Like, this is the kind of movie that cinemas were built for, and it's definitely one of my yes. cinema moments um, because it helped set a tone. It helped build this sort of visual language for future hero movies, and you can see how even now this legacy has endured um, to this day. I mean, this movie legitimized superhero movie genre, and Disney and Marvel owe a heck of a lot to this movie. Um, so this is a gold plate at nine uh, from me, for sure. He did say Markle instead of Marvel then, for anyone who missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel. It must be my... Uh, How could you get that wrong? You've got a Captain America poster the... on your wall. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> did I say Markle? Oh, God. I'm so sorry. So what, what did you give it? A nine out of ten? A nine, yes. Gold nice. played at nine. Um, so I always write my reviews, as always. So Tim Burton's 1989 Batman is fucking sick. 10 out of 10. There you go. <laughs> that was even more concise than, than my review. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, you know, um, like as I said earlier at the start, you know, Tim Burton is one of my favorite directors. You know, he's, he's unmatched in terms of his vision. You know, you, you, his films are unmistakable. And I think the fact that someone gave him a fucking huge budget when he was such a new filmmaker and had such a style and said, make a superhero movie... The fact that he took something as fucking cool as Batman and applied his style to that um, is absolutely insane. Uh, and you can tell he's just loving every minute of it. Uh, and on top of, you know, the, the absolutely wonderful production design, you've got some fucking awesome performances from um, Michael Keaton and also from Jack Nicholson, who is absolutely having the time of his life. And you can tell. Um, yeah, this film is absolutely worth your time. Um, and it's a solid 10 for me. Virtual fucking high five. Virtual fucking high five. <laughs> this, this film is so around. cool. I loved it, man. <laughs> For me, it's up in the highest echelons, all the way up there with like fucking Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing I would say is our, some of the effects are a little dated. Yeah. Some of the shots are a little dated, but it does not ruin it your enjoyment. Matter, film. Man. You're still kind of in that world. And it's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Out of all the films we watched, this has probably been one of my favourites. Like, yeah, I fucking loved it. It was so much fun. It really <laughs> so is. Much fun. It really is. It's also it's also like one of those movies. Like if it comes on TV, which unfortunately kind of happens like less and less uh, these days. But if I sort of jump into it while I'm you know channel hopping, I wouldn't sit down and watch it because this is mm. one that kind of deserves your full on focus and your full on respect. So you kind of want to watch it and be fully like into it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it deserves your respect. This movie. Um, just a last comment for me, and it's actually a real tangent, so I'll leave it there. I know we've got to be quick. I was. This is a 1989 film. We've actually done other 1989 films, which I didn't realise Black Rain was as well. But I had looked to see what were the best films of 1989. And just in your own time, people on this call, all our listeners, look at how fucking good 1989 was for cinema. When you look at it, there are so many amazing films in 1989. It's unreal. So, yeah. Apart from Black Rain, yeah. that is. Sorry, mate. Especially oh, just, to tally up, just to tally up our scores here, by the way, we, we've got a, a dead heat between Leon and, and Jesper for yes. the thing. So you both get the honorary title of chump of the episode. So <laughs> I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Um, I think it was worth the, uh, worth the sacrifice. <laughs> <Nerds>. <laughs> um, Jesper. 
Yes. Next month, what's happening? So next movie. So I was giving this a lot of thought because how do you top something like Batman? Well, you don't. So uh, we're gonna go from <laughs> uh, so yeah. So we're gonna go from high class cinema action masterpiece that Batman is. We're going to plummet right down to the other end of the scale to just yes. flat out silly dumb action. Um, still should be fun though. Um, we're gonna go on another adventure full of daring do, a damsel in distress, a secret treasure, and a sinister bad guy with an eye patch. Um, no, we're not doing Indiana Jones again. Nope, we will instead be watching 1986's Firewalk which will also be our first, <laughs> hopefully not last, encounter with another hard-hitting action hero of the 80s, the man who can dribble a bowling ball, pee his name into concrete, and who roundhouse kicks faster than the speed of light, <laughs> Mr. Chuck Norris. So, uh, yeah, look P. forward to that. Pee his name concrete. Yes, is yes fact. Fact. <laughs> I look so many that. Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> I'm surprised it takes us this long to do a Chuck Norris movie, to be fair. But... I know, he kind of feels like the one we kept on like overlooking. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I figured, no, we're going to give Mr. Mr. Norris, the respect he deserves, maybe. I've not heard this film. It sounds fucking great. Yeah. (laughs) We are well over our hour and a half. Yeah, man. We are. wanted to leave the house half an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've seen his wife in the background giving him shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up there, dude. Never rub another man's rhubarb. (laughs) Sorry about my internet problems. I need to to fix that. I don't know what it's 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 like. I'm paying way too much fucking money to have this kind of issue, so... Do you want that left in the podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure if we've ended or not. Yeah, if Virgin Media is listening to this, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> See you next and month. On that note. See you next on that month. note. See you. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys.